It's time for Mac Break Weekly. Jason Snell, Andy Anako, Alex Lindsay, we're all here. And of course, the big story is Apple has announced the Vision Pro ordering and availability. We will talk about it. Everybody's getting very excited. Vision Pro days, just days away. It's also today, the 17th anniversary of the first iPhone announcement. We'll travel down memory lane for that. And is Steve Gibson right? Is that back door in the iPhone more than just a bug? All of that and more coming up next on MacBreak Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is MacBreak Weekly, episode 903, recorded Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. I was just measuring the East Room. MacBreak Weekly is brought to you by FastMail, a leader in email privacy for more than 20 years. Make email better. FastMail is moving email forward with new internet standards and open source innovations that many other mail services end up using. FastMail's quick settings lets you choose new themes, switch between light and dark modes, change text size, generate masked email addresses, autosave contacts, set default reminders, and more, all without leaving your email. Add or buy a domain through FastMail, then they'll set up all the records for you so it works immediately. Never again have a, a Gmail or Yahoo or AOL address. Have an address that reflects you or your business. You know, you pay for free email with your privacy. At FastMail, mm -mm, your data stays yours, and you get better productivity features, and it's as little as $3 a month. Very easy to move your old email's data, import it into your new FastMail inbox, and remember, FastMail does have better spam filters and absolutely no ads. And I'll vouch for it because I've been using FastMail for more than a decade. It's the only email program I recommend. FastMail also works with password managers like 1Password or a sponsor Bitwarden to generate unique emails for every site you visit. That's really nice. And don't forget to download the FastMail app, iOS and Android to get the most out of your email. They've got webmail too. Fastmail. It's just everything you need. The better email service. The quality really is worth paying for. As little as $3 a month. Try Fastmail now. Free for 30 days at fastmail.com slash twit. That's fastmail.com slash twit. It's time for MacBreak Weekly, the show where we cover the latest news from Apple. And there is big news today, but we'll uh, first introduce our fine panelists from officehours.global and 090.media, Mr. Alex Lindsay. Hello, Alex. Hello, Alex. It's good to be here. From WGBH in Boston, Andy Hanatko. Hello, Andrew. Hey there, hey there, hey there. Celebrating the Orthodox New Year at some point. Or is it Christmas? The feast... Christmas feast the feast, feast of three of kings was on Saturday. Three kings, yes, yes. The the, the yeah. was what, good the, king Wednesday. Orthodox. He was celebrating the feast of uh, Stephen. I don't know. He was a bit of a stick in the mud. Um, <laughs> I mean, if something was a tradition, he wanted to keep the tradition, yeah. even if people were kind of sick of him hearing hearing him sing Danny Boy. I mean, you know, well, you, you know, know how do it. Is, I mean, you're a king. You know, yeah. you, you say it. It's, it's going to go. Mr. Jason Snell is also here from SixColors.com. Hello, Leo. We have a date. Good to be here. We have a date. We do. We do. You and me next week. No, dinner. not you and no, me. That's not it. The, uh, <laughs> that's good, though. I appreciate you for fixing the ambiguity there. Apple Vision Pro available in the U.S. February 2nd. Pre-orders begin Friday the 19th, which is a week from this Friday. Talk about, talk about uh, the... Uh, 
you know, CES, get, everyone's excited about getting their the word out of whatever their new product is. And the top of tech meme is just completely absorbed by the Vision Vision Pro. I don't yeah, today's that. the opening day of CES. I don't think that Whoops. was by accident. Oh, Apple. No. Oh, Apple. <laughs> well, also, well, also, like today, today happens to be like the anniversary of the announcement of the iP- of the iPhone, uh, January 9th. Oh, so. I don't know. I don't know if that cl- that clicks into it, and it, but I, but I think part of it is that let's see if we can make sure that anybody who's ex- anybody who's excited about a transparent TV and might be putting aside four thousand dollars to give to Samsung later this year will not be keeping that four thousand dollars set aside for a transparent TV. Eight a.m. Eastern time, a week from Friday, you can uh, plunk down your pre-order, your three thousand four hundred and ninety-nine. Oh, but wait, that's just the starting price. You still have to. <laughs> Buy like uh, lenses. One hundred and fifty dollars for prescription lenses, which I I fifty I I paid paid fifty for that for the Quest Two, so Aye. or the Quest Three. So it's uh, unsurprisingly more expensive than that. Although there's also like a readers like a small readers correction that I think is a hundred. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and then there's a you know it's it's not. I mean, it comes with a like a little cover and and stuff. So like. I, I think you can get out the door probably other than your vision correction with the $3,500 okay. uh, and be okay. It comes I, I, with the solo knit band I, and the dual loop yeah, band I, or does I was it? a little afraid that they were going to like <laughs> make all of those things extra. Yeah. And, Did you want and tires really on your car? Yeah. In, so. yeah. <laughs> this is, this is the, that's the version with like the, the factory stereo, no AC, no power windows. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see given that one of the parts of the conversations we've been having for months about this was that there's probably, they're probably going to be very, very limited in how many they can actually manufacture. How many people are going to be stuck in that situation where they decided that I really just wanted the $3,500 one, but the only one I can get is the $4,199 one that has the maximum memory and has the t-shirt and has the I don't know. Yeah, the I, headlights, I, whatever. They, in my, in they my seem to budget. be keeping the skews simple, which I think is good because the the volume is so low, right? Like yeah. you kind of don't want to. It's one thing if you're making millions of them to have them be in all the different shapes and flavors and colors and whatever. But for this one, you know, if there's just one model, like I think that's because right. they're they're going to be trying as hard as they can to just fulfill a very small amount of demand based on their supply for developers and adventurers, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Yep. For and your $3,499, you get the solo knit band and dual loop band. I don't even know what those are. What are those? A light seal the, the, and two the light seal cushions. The one that goes behind and the behind? one that goes on top of your head, which oh. was actually, that's a slight difference that there was a question about whether... That was going to be bundled the, separately, huh? The, right, whether they were going to say you actually do need a t- thing at the top of your head, and it sounds like that's going to be included as well as the one in the back. And then the light seal the goes on I the front. I just want a beanie that just, goes, just, just sits over the whole thing. Like a oh, that was really kind of the smart hats. When the we pictures finally they, uh, they, they the have published do not have... What is it? The solo loop band or the dual knit band? Which is the... Well, that wouldn't really work with her fashion. Yes, well, it wouldn't, would it? Yeah. We have to have a version of it that doesn't do that. Uh, The fashion now evidently will be shaving the side of your head because then (laughs) you can match the uh, the, the proper use of the the headset. A little throughway in the middle of your head so that the the loop can just go over Mm. it. And that way you can keep your fro on either side. Mm. It's going to be called the Fade Plus. And or the Fade Pro, maybe. I think, I think yeah. we would call it Vision Fashion. Vision you know, Fashion. You know, vision Fashion. So the solo knit band is the one behind, and the dual loop band is the one above. I think so. Just to get the nomenclature, a light seal and two light seal cushions. That's you don't. That's an optional uh, addition on the on the front of it 
to do to make it more like so you're watching a movie so you don't see the ambient? i think it's yeah well it's to, it's to protect your face because it's this oh. thing otherwise it's going to smash into your face so they're trying hard it's all ergonomics is the impression i get that they're really trying to make it that uh right they want you to wear this thing and not be miserable with it right that's yeah. like a, it's a deal breaker right so they've got the light seal which is attached that is going to block out the light from your the room around you and then cushions to make sure that whatever uh force is being applied from that rear strap to your face to clamp this thing onto your face doesn't make you feel like you're in a vice and then the the top strap helps uh gravity you know act against yeah because it's heavy well. so uh in fact this is the question here. Yeah, do you, do you need a thing as as you as, as optional with the MetaQuest that goes over your top? So, yeah. what is the thing they met? Because you have to go in store to do this. What is the thing they're measuring you for? Is that the light seal? The light seal. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they said that there are a bunch of different. I don't know what the final number was because they haven't talked about it since June. But there are a bunch of different shapes and sizes of the light seal, um, and that's what they w- would scan your face for because there's a special app. Yeah, nobody knows their face size. See, right. That's what's, the problem. What's your face here. size? What is it? Someday you think you think you could hold up your phone and turn it, and it would. Do the so this is well this is at at, uh, wwc in june in uh, june that's what they did with me is they just scanned it in from an app and they told me that they were going to be able again so it's six month old information we'll see if they changed it but they said that in the apple store app basically you would be able to scan your face and it would it would give you a uh a face seal size of some sort that it would be able to match it with you now whether that actually did happen and we, we don't know yet but that would be right that would be ideal is if they yeah. could let you use the face id sensor essentially to get a sense of the shape of your face and, and choose a, a a size for you you also get a cover is that the cover for the spooky eyes or is that yeah yeah it goes on the front covers the camera and the and the that display the spooky eye display so that it doesn't uh, get scratched in you know in transit when you're packing in your bag to watch a movie on the plane wow or whatever <laughs> Polishing cloth is included. That's a that's a oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, that could have been a good good upsell, but no. It's a fifty dollar value right there. You get a Real. battery. That's an external battery, right? That plugs that you put in your pocket and has a right. Wire. So if you want more than more than one battery, you can. Okay. I think do that, but it comes with a battery with a USB C pass through, so that if you're in a place that's got USB C power, you can keep it plugged in and use it all the time. But if you unhook, then it's got. I think they rated it at two and a half hours. Two and a half it's hours gonna hours. With, with battery one, life. When looking at SD video, two uh, D rather two D video playback at two and a half right. hours, yeah. Uh, M two chip what, what, what is, is, didn't they say it was going to be the M one uh, when they first announced it? Or no, they no, said it was M two. We're oh, in the M three era now, though, so it is one step. It is back, a little bit behind. Yeah, but it also has that co- that other processor, right? So it's got an additional piece of silicon that isn't in any other Apple device. The R one mm. letters. Mm. They're going to run out of letters eventually. I don't know. They're going to have to yeah. go to like Greek letters after after a while. Let's uh, let's watch one. Let's watch this young woman uh, putting on her putting on her. Oh, how do I get backwards in the Apple newsroom? Do I go back uh, up? Well, that's uh, a, that's the question. <laughs> that's question. I wanted to show you the best part of this. Maybe if I uh, pop it out. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and I hope Apple will not take us down for this. So she is holding the what is that called? The solo loop. And she, watch this. Oh, that's the knit. That's, that's the, the knit, knit band. thing. So it's just like putting it's on a, a toque. 
Yeah, and in it's the, a beautiful in the demo piece video. She's not wearing that knitting. top strap, so that's yeah. She's yeah. not. They don't. They don't want people to. They, maybe they think that's kind of ugly, and they don't want people to mm-hmm. think about that. But notice well, there are little say, grommets on the sides that you would hook that into. I guess that's what so those are. Keep this in mind too. All of these demos. So I I just said earlier that I'm using June information, and I don't know if anything has changed between June and now. Right. Another thing that has not changed between June and now is all the PR and media assets for this product. And that I am legitimately surprised about. Now, maybe there'll Mm -hmm. be some new stuff when they ship it, but I'm not surprised that there's no event. Like I get that the the demand, like the supply is so limited that they want to kind of control demand and they want to be a little cheeky about it. They, I, I get all of that. I am a little surprised that it's the same model it's the same videos. I mean, if, if it's if there's some new photos and videos, they're obviously from the exact same sh- session. It's all the stuff we saw in June. And I don't know whether that means they didn't want to spend the money. They didn't want to bother. They didn't want to confuse. But, you know, if they make an in, a midstream decision to put in something like that over the head strap, well, the video doesn't show it because in June they didn't want to show it. And they're using the videos from June. It's weird. I, I think they One still thing. don't want to show it. I don't think. Yeah, well, that that may yeah. be, but it's interesting that they didn't. Right, Alex? I mean, I, it just struck me that, that there are no new media assets for a product launch, and it's it's all stuff we saw six months ago. Yeah, I think that I think that what will be interesting is as it comes out. I mean, I think that they want to see how. Far, my guess is they want to see a what kind of sales what a sales look like without having to do anything, which will probably be yes. all of them. You know, like you know, you'll be on waiting, you know, wait lists yeah, and everything else. For sure. Um, and so I think that there's a little bit of it because I think that the other problem you get into, this is this is what happened with like ChatGPT and DALI, is you get, we got so excited about DALI that suddenly everybody was looking for it. They wouldn't let anybody in. And so then we all shifted over to MidJourney. <laughs> so <laughs> so building up to, you know, and suddenly MidJourney kind of took off because it was the thing that was available, you know. And mm-hmm. um, and so I, I wonder whether, you know, I think they've, they've created enough pressure to get everybody to join. They have enough people developing software for it. They have enough people, they have enough apps going into it that, um, but I think that there's probably, they'll continue to ratchet this up. I think they're also pacing themselves. This is a, probably not a, yes. you know, this is, this is, this is a, a grinding kind of a marathon for them for the next three or four years. Not a, not something like, Hey, let's see how this goes. They're not wondering whether it's going to go well. They're just going to keep doing it yeah. for the next five to 10 years. I, th- I think you're right. I think they, again, with this limited amount of uh, products that's going to be available, they don't have to convince people to get this. The people that are going to get this are going to, are going to, they don't have enough to make to get to the people who are going to get this anyway. That, but that, but that's interesting. The idea that they haven't, maybe they haven't introduced any new media assets. I was looking at the official product page and one thing that stuck out to me is that that's the first time I've seen an image of obviously a, a put together a faked image I, i'm guessing of the, the you know the magic the magic eyes feature where you're not seeing the skin tone rendered in shades of smurf blue as a matter of fact if you scroll down there's like some of these images where there's the smurf blue that i remember from june but there's at least one image in which they seem to be saying hey look here's somebody with a normal skin tone presented behind these again the the, the that uh, that that fake eye display i wonder if that's something that i missed the first time or whether this is something that they're now confident enough about to at least say, under some circumstances, maybe you will not look like one of the Navi. <laughs> uh, I hadn't really I picked up on that blue look like, Yeah, I think that their goal is to have it look like you're just in a darkened, like you're looking through a sun shield. I think from a color perspective, I think uh, that's probably where they're trying to get to. Is yeah. It just looks like it's you underneath, the, underneath yeah. that. You know, I think that that I, I don't know whether that'll work or not, but I don't think it's gold. I will say, 
um, in that in the document. They they built little 3D versions of their apps, which I don't know. I don't know whether they're using that for it or just for the PR. Looks so nice. Like if you if there's a close up one, a little half what half oh, three quarters way down, which says photos. Um, anyway, as someone who has to build yeah. icons, I was like, they really oh, yeah. spared no expense on they're, that. They're on all multi layered icons yeah. for sure. Yeah. But I mean, at the, at the very top, like that's the image that people see the very, very beginning when they go to yeah. Apple hyphen vision hyphen pro. So I think she looks normal. I think at, at this point that looks like you're looking at her. Right. Exactly. Goggles. I think that's, I think that's their but, intention. I think that's the intention. But again, if you scroll down, like you see like tinges, you see blue tinged imagery. If you scroll down, I remember, I, again, I could be remembering incorrectly, but everything I saw in the, in all the June all, all, all the June presentations, it seemed as though it was a limitation of the display technology that was that was uh, that was outward facing that it wasn't going to give any kind of natural color. If you scroll like maybe oh yeah, where she's, where she's smiling, she's smiling yeah. with a red shirt and she's looking over and there's like a blue tinge and that also may be um, you know head on versus from an angle. Well, yeah, and also reflections across that that LED um, surface. So. Okay. Um, also, I, and, may, I, and I have a feeling they probably didn't it, want to make it look like they were photoshopping it. Like it probably does reflect that way internally because of that's just where the internal components look. But if you look at okay. it without a lot of reflection, I bet you it looks normal. And when you look at it from the side where the little sun or light, you probably see it hitting across those LEDs. I can also be, uh, I can guarantee you whatever they did there, they very specially rigged up for all of that because <laughs> reviewers uh, or, you know, the demo people in, in June, we never got a chance to see it. Like it was not shown anywhere. That is not a feature see that what, was ready eyes? for conception. The spooky eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, one thing I'm interested in is, is because I'm how do we, totally biased against this thing. I'm, Go ahead. I'm wondering, I'm wondering whether, uh, how they're going to capture stuff in it. Like, so I'm a developer. I want to capture training, marketing materials. Like this is what my product does. Everything else. You can else. airplay and, it to a Mac and capture it even like using QuickTime. Oh, really? So, yeah, you can airplay oh, the output cool. to a Mac, that's or or like, maybe anything. But certainly yeah. that would be the way. Just like capturing an Apple TV, that, the yep. same idea, right? Where you mm-hmm. you end up viewing the device in QuickTime Player and recording it, and then you get a screen recording, and that means other apps that do screen recording will probably also I didn't be know able that to works. connect to like, it. Like, how do you? Do, I guess it'll just be a really wide version of it if it's going to be field of view it'll be yeah it'll be oh, some yeah. kind of like decided upon what the field of view, of view is and then within that yeah yeah it does and it does see also seem like some of this stuff is not quite finished because yeah. number one there's there's mentioned there's mentions of a couple of features that are like beta and won't be finished like right in the, the newsroom article also scrolling down to like the actual product page off the official apple site it says that this has not been certified by the fcc yet Wow, um, it seems like they're shipping them, and they've they're in the stores by now, right? Apple Apple Vision Pro has not been authorized as required by the rules of the Federal Communications Commission. This device is not and may not be offered for sale or lease or sold or leased until authorization <laughs> wow. is obtained. Well, I'm sure that's they're pretty confident. I, I bet they're confident. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very confident. Wow, <laughs> that, that would be that would be and the thing. And the thing is also, I think yesterday Apple also announced that they're having their earnings call. The day before February first, like the day before released. So if it's like <laughs> that's a bad time to be to be talking to like analysts saying, "So the FCC, you're, de- well, you're, the you're delaying is- the release because the FCC will not license this." Tim, what's your color on that? <laughs> Red right in the face, Dan. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, interesting. But I, I think that it it, it is going to be. 
you know, a lot of apps, of course, they they touted a million apps that are going to be available. A lot of those are iPad apps that were ported right. over, you know, like they're, but the, you know, of the folks that I've talked to, and Jason, I don't know if you had much of experience, but the folks that I've talked to that have seen it, I haven't seen the the, the headset myself. Um, the, some of the stuff that you don't expect to be impressive was impressive. Like they were like, yeah, there's stuff built for it, but then they're like, but then there's stuff that's in there that you go, oh, that's just a really great way to display that. You know, I don't know if that was the case yeah. for you where they're just, just basic stuff is, is useful. I would say I, I don't get the sense that the iPad apps running on it are going to be as disappointing as like opening an app on an iPad and finding out that it's an iPhone app. It's not going to be right, like right. that. They're not going to have the sense of depth, but they're still going to be in a, in a plane. So you can I- imagine, if you will, like taking a, an iPad app and putting it over there and another one and putting it over there and then yeah. putting a Vision Pro app <laughs> over here. Like you're going to be able to multitask with iPad apps and they're going to feel pretty good. They're just not going to be a fully immersive multiple, you know, because with a a vision pro app, you can put it, you can have different controllers in different places. And obviously there's a sense of depth and it is much more well integrated. But I think that the iPad apps are going to get them a decent amount of the way there. And of course getting the impression I get is getting an iPad app turned into a vision OS app is also while not easy, you know, you're, you're, it's like converting something from the iPhone to iPad. You're sort of in the same, yeah. uh, same platform. So it's, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be okay. Right. And keep in mind, just as a footnote, Mac, uh, Mac stuff is all screen sharing. Um, the Mac, Mac OS apps don't run on it, but you can screen share a Mac and take it over and control it from within yeah. there. And that, that's actually kind of something that kind of worries or not worries me, but makes me it's 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 a, it's a it's an item ticked on the list of things to keep an eye out for that looking at the difference between here is an iPad app that's running on Vision Pro here is an app that is a Vision Pro app and it looks like okay it the it looks like the iPad app with some extra like UI ornaments on it it doesn't look like it's fundamentally a spatial app and given that Apple another another thing that people have been digging into is like the developer guide and saying no 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 don't call it an AR app don't call it a, it's a spatial computing app and I wonder if the first round of apps or even the first year's worth of apps is going to kind of underscore that. No, no, no. We're creating a brand new category of cla- class of computing n- as opposed to, well, no, we have virtual windows, which in itself could be interesting and could have their place. But if they're setting everybody up for thinking that, oh, my God, like I, I, I do remember, I think all of us remember the difference between the first time we used an iPhone and like the user interacting with a pane of glass without any fixed buttons on it, whose user interface rearranges itself depending on what the use is at this very, very moment and how squeezing and pinch, pinching and stretching were just so so natural. Tracing your fingers were so natural. It felt like this is really what the next generation of not just mobile computing, but all computing could be like. And I'm wondering if they've, they're setting everybody up for it's a pair of goggles that could give me some virtual screens i have that on this 800 dollars gadget i've had for the past year what's up apple yeah they have a challenge to balance having software there which means letting ipad apps run there because you don't want it to be empty but at the same time you don't want it to be so good that nobody bothers to do vision os apps right because they they ultimately do want that and it's a challenge i will say in my 30 minutes with it that i can still lord over people for the next (laughs) few weeks uh what i will say is uh the eye tracking is uh the thing that reminded me of the of trying an iphone for the first time was the eye tracking and the gestures where um eye tracking 
I think it's really funny. I think the way the human brain works is, um, at least for me, and I think for a lot of people, where you're looking is sort of an internal thing. It's I know people can look at your eyes and sort of say, "Are you are you paying attention or whatever?" But like the actual exact object you're looking at at any given moment is a very private kind of internal thing. And the Vision Pro knows exactly where you're looking at any given moment, and it allows a level of it feels like telepathy almost it feels like an outside thing knows my inside thing right which is bizarre mm. and it's not it's not obviously because i have to point my eyes there and it can figure it out and you combine that with those fairly subtle little pinch and tap gestures that it can see even when your hands are down out of range just sort of sitting in your lap and you do get some of that magic interaction now what it gets applied to is an open question, but there is some really interesting magical interaction there. If again, you know, if the experience merits it and that's the big question we're all asking is what, what, what it's, what it's going to be like and, and what the software experiences are going to be like. And I think when we get back to looking at the content, they have no reason to put anything more out right now, but I have a feeling that all this year they're going to keep on rolling things out that are like, Hey, look at this. Isn't this cool? Look at this. Isn't this cool? And these are like, I think that one thing that hopefully Apple has learned is the lesson from iBooks, which is they could have done something pretty dramatic. And instead they went to the old school, you know, textbook companies and asked them to do old school. They asked them to do something cool and they just did old school things, you know. And and so I think that, you know, hopefully, you know, Apple's learned from that and, and they're, they're you know, working with folks to build some great content. I mean, I know that Meta did. I mean, like when I, again, I, you know, the the most interesting apps that have been on the MetaQuest have Many of them were developed by Meta or paid for by Meta. <laughs> so, sure. So, um, to, you know, to, to prove the model. And so I, I don't think Apple will, will fare, will do much different than that um, as far as some of the content to make sure that it's actually there. And I think that, again, there's a lot. This is going to be something that you just see rolling out all year. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to get a bunch of people to buy it. They've got what they need. Um, but you're just going to, you know, they want to build up to the next, you know, to the build up that demand, you know, just keep people buying as many yeah. as they're making. And a lot of the a lot of the hype at the beginning, unlike most Apple products where the product is the hype, a lot of the hype this time out of the gate is going to be those initial reviewers where there's a report out that like I think Mark Gurman said that reviewers are going to like get a controlled demo and then they're going to be asked to come back a week later for another follow up experience and only then will they be shipped hardware, which is just wild. <laughs> like fill fill your calendar with Apple, but I mean people will be motivated to do it. But that is you know actual reactions from influencers and and journalists and and youtubers and all of that like that's going to be a lot more of their marketing than it is with like an iPhone where that stuff exists, but also there's a huge blitz and, and it's almost like they're, they're there's that in baseball, there's a the concept of pitching backward. You know, you do a, you do a, a slope pitch and then a fast pitch instead of a fast pitch and then a slow pitch. Apple's pitching backward a little bit here where they're like, you know, because they, because they don't have the supply. So they're trying mm-hmm. some other stuff. So some Alex, some of this stuff is going to details about how Apple has built this stuff are going to roll out in personal experiences relayed from, you know, YouTubers and, and writers. And with the, that's going to be and with the supply right now, the big work they have to do is working with developers, working with content you know, owners, with developers, with game c- companies. It's less of a p- public PR blitz that's necessary on their end. It's more of a, you know, how do you keep on filling that pipeline, especially when you only have 500,000 that are sold. Now, the good news is anything, you know, reasonably interesting for fi- the 500,000 that's been, I don't know, probably <laughs> when the dust settles, 4,500 to $5,000 with taxes and your lenses and everything else, you're going to spend somewhere between probably 40, low 4,000 to to $5,000 on what you're doing there. They're going to be pretty insensitive to going, oh, I'll spend 20 bucks on this or 50 bucks on that, um, you know, 
for, for quite some sure. time because this is their new thing and they've got the money to do that. So I think that you're going to end up with a, um, yeah, a fair number of, of folks that, uh, that are ready to buy things. And that's really good for a developer. I mean, when, when developers say, well, the market's not big enough, I'm like, well, how many, well, I, I've talked <laughs> yep. to some, I talked to a developer about that, uh, two weeks ago and they were like, well, the market isn't going to be very big. I'm like, so when was the last time you sold 10,000 units of your software? And they're like, it's bigger than your it's bigger than your current yeah. market so, so you're, you still fit into that box yeah. you know so no you know again the first there's going to be a race to be the first like viral uh viral hit yeah. app for because if you you can charge 18 dollars for what you as a developer might think is an inconsequential app but if it catches people's imagination and everybody who bought everybody who buys one of these things that's one of the three apps they always go to the store and buy because it's the one they've heard about even if it's just like a a simple thing that that that's that that'll be worth the half an afternoon you spent coding this stupid stupid idea that your kid came up with as a matter of fact i'm 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 wondering if uh if Apple is apportioning a certain amount of their uh, of uh, of their units to make sure that gets into the hands of developers, as opposed to someone I'm who sure. might walk into a store, walk up because they they've got the sort of money where four th- three or four thousand dollars on a fun little toy that they might have fun with for two or three weeks, but then like almost never use. Well, That's they've not been, a great investment for Apple. They've been they've been seeding these for a while. It's quite a thing. Oh, of like, no. Have you seen the stories about them seeding? Like you yeah. have to have a room that has its own lock yep, yep, that has yep. its control and control who's going to be in it. You have to give them a list of who's now that, that'll mm-hmm. loosen up as soon as they're available. But it's still going to obviously I developers mean, are a huge piece of this because to develop interesting things is going to take a long time. But I also think that as people see some of these things, I one of the, you know, like there's the problem you get into if you put some of these headsets on, like for some of the tests that I've done, is that it kind of poisons your mind. Like once you see it, you're like, you don't want to go back to anything else. And so like I, we did this golf test. I think I talked about it earlier where you just uh-huh. see a plain, plain video. And on one side had all this data that we wanted. And on the other side had social stuff so that you wouldn't take the headset off to tweet and check email and stuff like that. As soon as I ha- I only had that, I've only ever seen that test for a couple hours total over across all the testing. And I still can't watch golf on TV. Like, you know, like I still like, I'm, I'm like, oh, all this debris all over top of it and blah, blah, blah. And, and so I think that that's going to be also a challenge as you start to see different ways of handling that data. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I just, I, I just think that the, the day, the, the biggest demo Apple is going to promote is going to be that one amazing game that they have been someone's someone who's had a, a team that's had a condo in Cupertino for the past eight months, developing just this game to be the premier game on vision pro. The thing that everybody buys, the thing that qualms people after the thinking, Oh my God, I can't believe I spent $3,500 on something that, I can use Microsoft Excel on for exactly two hours and 10 minutes before I can't stay in it anymore. The thing that like really will help will get people that get that starry eyed evangelistic glow in the back I of mean, their eyes that says, Oh my God. I, and I, I've, I've bought every single VR headset that's been around for the past 10 years. And this made me forget about my mother and yeah. my father and my quest for anything. I, I, I will say that for me, in in the Oculus time, the and H H D you know um, uh, that Robo Recall and then also um, uh, the little one. There's a little one when you shoot arrows at, at folks attacking your thing, and I can't think of where it came. I don't even know where it was. HTC, but I don't remember. It was somewhere in their in their like demos, they have this thing where you're sitting on a thing and you're firing these little arrows as things that are. For some reason, those two specifically, they were so immersive that I felt like this is the future of gaming. And then we didn't 
you know, there's very few that were compelling after that. You know, sure. they just it really had stick to it. I think that the challenge really with games in general and where Apple has a soft point if they can get it is the problem with game most games is they're created by gamers. You know, the, right. to to break to the next level, you have to stop having gamers develop games and have people start thinking about them as a mass market. And they're a big market, but it could be a lot bigger if they weren't so um, vertical. Something that's more passive entertainment, particularly in the mm-hmm. VR space, where I don't necessarily need something that's I get I get killed in the first 10 minutes. Just let me have an open world. Mm-hmm. And there's something off on the side. There's a cat with a glowing tail that if I follow the cat, I'll have something to do. But otherwise, I really just want to explore this place and, well, and feel I, what and you I, were feeling when you were building these graphics. And I think also that like when you think about games, especially as spectator games, which is really how you build that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, most spectator, game, spectator games that we watch are pretty simple. Like they're not, they're not complex. You don't have, you don't, you see everything that's happening all at one time, whether it's football or baseball or soccer or all these other things. These are, we see the whole field. <laughs> like we get to see the whole thing. <laughs> and most games don't work that way. You know, most of the games that we watch are much more like, I, I don't know where people are. I get lost watching it and so on and so forth. And I think that there's something else. Oh, look at that. You got a cat. And then there was a cat. <laughs> anyway so um anyway so it'll be it'll be it'll be an interesting uh puzzle i i do think that it will they'll they'll have a lot of success i mean already microsoft's had a lot of success i don't think apple doesn't want to promote i don't think they want people to get caught up in games and i think they don't want to get people to get caught up industrial because vr stuff and ar stuff have, have been successful in in industrial appliances for a very long time Speaking, you know like um, you know whether one of the only details in that newsroom post that I thought was like really new was that they actually did mention some game experiences. Yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, and that's a part of the the press release where they're trying to just shovel in the names of pieces of software because they want to impress people that, yeah, office is going to be on there and things like that. And they, they mentioned some game experiences and they, they really didn't talk about games other than like you could play an iPad game in a window, which is not that interesting. <laughs> uh, right. And uh, they did mention that. So it, 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 I think it's one of those things where like, despite Apple, not talking about it people are making games for it and they're like all right i guess we'll mention it so they did but it's such a good like instinctive demo like it's you put an experiential sort of app those aren't going to come i think for at least i'm going to say two years before you really anything but 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 like the thing with a game or an existing 3d movie that's been adapted for this kind of headset you put it on and you get the reason why this thing exists that doesn't really happen with excel this that doesn't even happy with happen with a lot of like create 3d creation apps even if you're capturing things in the real world and and putting them and modeling them and, and adjusting them in the virtual world it's they really have to, especially for the first year, they have to give people the most thrilling 30 minutes of their lives the first time they put it on. And well, if they I, fail at that, it doesn't it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean it's a failure of all their engineering. But if you can't impress people in 30 minutes, you are never going to impress people no matter what you do for the next year and a half. And I, I'm really uh, uh, I, I can't wait to see Flight Simulator, Microsoft's oh my Flight God. Simulator, like with. The Logitech control uh, with the AR stuff, you'll be able to look down crashing. and yeah. see all that stuff, and then you'll. But you won't oh, have yeah. to have all, all those monitors that you're trying to figure out how to put around you, and everything else goes away. And you throw this thing on, and you're flying a plane, and it'll 
you know, I, I, one of the best VR experiences I've ever had was a simple, like, well, simple F1 racing game where just the idea of like, I am sitting in the cockpit of this car. When I turn my head, I'm seeing what I'm turning. Yeah. I have never had like my pulse rate get up to 140, 150, 160 yeah. like that in any <laughs> place where I was sitting yeah. down comfortably and safe. And so there, there are going to be a lot of people for whom $3,500 is cheap at that. And when that gets down to $2,000, for a really high quality experience and, and like I think, this. And I'll predict that it's going to go both directions. So Apple's going to make, they're going to, this is the middle of the road. Like there's going to be, you know, three or four years from now, there's going to be one that's 50% more and one that's 50% less than this. Mm-hmm. This is just because there's a bunch of compromises that they've made on this, on this headset that I think that they'll want to fix, which is higher frame rate, higher resolution. When I was at uh, but, in Vegas for the F1 race, they had, uh, I think it was McLaren had a simulator that looked like a car. You were in it. You'd put on VR headsets, probably the MetaQuests, and then do a driving game. So you had pedals, you had controls, you had everything, and then you had the driving game. And, of course, they were smart so that spectators could watch. They had a screen that was showing what you were seeing inside the yeah. headset. But And, oh, one more thing. The car moved, tilted, and stuffed. Yeah. So it must have been. I wanted to do it, but. I, I don't know. I was too embarrassed <laughs> to. But uh, I, I think you had to buy something. But uh, it seemed like that would be a pretty vivid experience. And I know F1 drivers do actually use simulators to look at a track before they actually get to the track. I imagine this yeah. is the kind of well, thing. It's a lot, it, it's a lot safer. <laughs> well, they still have that. to drive it eventually, <laughs> right? You can't stay in the simulator forever. Yeah. So no, no, Apple it's, it's, did not. All Apple says in the press release is a two. They gave the price for a two hundred fifty six gigabyte version. They didn't mention RAM. They didn't mention other SKUs. But uh, nine to five Mac is pointing out. Actually, Mac Rumors is pointing out that Xcode fifteen two, which was also released, uh, which has support for the Vision Pro, uh, shows sixteen gigs of RAM, which on an M two is you know, probably more than enough. And uh, uh, there's some speculation that perhaps the Vision Pro will be available in other uh, mem- uh, storage sizes, 256, 512, and 1 terabyte. Uh, so the price we're talking about, 3499 is for 256 Honestly, uh, that's probably enough, right? Is there any evidence that well, they'll have other SKUs? Depends on how much, how much, uh, the size of the assets that these apps are going to consume, particularly for consuming entertainment titles. Yeah, we don't yeah, know how big they are. Keep in mind, though, that most things are going to be streamed and that Apple has built a system in iOS where it can dynamically sort Offload. of delete things yeah. uh, and yeah. then reload them later right. when you want to use them again. And I think that that's so. So, I mean, there are probably scenarios where you're on a, a slow connection and you're going to want to get it and keep it and that it's going to be difficult for that. But uh, I struggle with this like I struggle with the Apple TV storage where I'm not, I'm not sure uh, the device is really made to for storage to be relevant, even right. though it, it it apparently is. I, I, the goal the goal is right that it shouldn't matter because you're using the cloud as the backing for all this stuff, and you can get it all on demand, and so you shouldn't have to worry about it. Of course, if you're on a plane, you're going to have to have downloaded stuff, and and is that going to be enough? That's, well, that's all, a good that's point. All, or in a in a low connectivity right. setting. So so I mean, like I said before, I feel like they want to keep these SKUs simple because they can only make so many of them. Um, but at the same time. You know that that's I think that's the mystery is do they do they go out with the low low price of thirty four ninety nine but actually all the ones that we have in the store today are four grand I don't yeah. know what's interesting according to Chance Miller in nine to five Mac some developer kits did feature five twelve gigabytes of storage so and I you know you said and I think you're right Jason 
Apple does not want to have too many complicated SKUs for something they're only going to do a run of five hundred thousand for in a in a whole year. So I be I honestly think it, they might only have one one storage SKU. I I don't understand why they would want to do more. They also probably want to encourage developers or give developers the idea that this is the size you're developing for, right? Right. I don't know. I don't know. We we will all find out soon enough. You're gonna either get one from Apple or buy one or both, right, Jason? I mean, uh, it's my job, so I'm gonna have. <laughs> oh, to you one have way to. Or another. You have to spend that that <laughs> yeah, goods for. I need it for my work. Colors.com ad money on something useful, uh, and 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 I know that you, Alex Lindsay, will because you probably want to develop for this thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we. I think yeah. there's a lot of opportunity there. So, so at least <laughs> so, and, two of the panel, yeah. half the panel, will have one. Andy and I will 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 sit in the back <laughs> seats and and just watch. Right? We'll we'll be like, <laughs> I'll send you pictures. I'll send you pictures. It'll be like, hey, Alex, why don't you? It's been a while since you you know stayed, stayed over at my place for a couple nights. And hey, <laughs> exactly. just for fun, why don't you bring? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It will be an interest to see how long I can hold out against the FOMO. Um, well, the problem is if you hold out too long, you might hold out all year. I mean, yeah. I, I just think that I think the backlog on these are going to be pretty high. I'm, I'm more mostly worried about the fact that if I order by 530 in the morning on Friday, yeah. it's going to be like two months or three months to to get them. Yeah. I mean, I just I mean, I'd, I'd be on the same page if it were half the price. I'd be at least a little bit tempted, but I can't spend thirty five hundred dollars on like a beta essentially at least 40% of beta product that I don't know if it's going to earn back its money for me in terms of how I could be more productive or more engaged or excited. But and I have to admit, I started putting money away like oh, last <laughs> time. Right. So I started like putting a little bit in, in this account. I, and now I'm I like don't, don't. talking to my credit card company about, okay, I'm going to make a big charge. You're not going to block it, right? Because it's five o'clock in the morning. You're not going to block. Like Thursday will be like a, hey, I just want to make sure you're clear. It could be up to five thousand dollars. Going to go through tomorrow. It's you're really you know, going to let it go through. Uh, there's been a lot sure of blocking. The, I'm sure that the algorithm at your bank has figured out that is it in yeah. any way related to a yeah. tech company? It's let it him. through. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, let it's it through. I, there is a. I do think though that there's. I don't know. It's maybe just my experience. There's been a lot more, and, and Lisa's too, a lot more blocking this uh, holiday season. I think there's been a lot of fraud. I was trying to buy a box of chocolates from my mom from season. And I yeah. got rejected by four credit cards in a row. Uh, I, f I mean, it was really hard to buy this box of yeah. chocolates. Uh, was this you? Well, well you never maybe know. Maybe there's a lot get. of fraudulent chocolate buying <laughs> going on. I don't know. It was weird. In fact, chocolates. Chocolate and Lisa's fraud. had a. Of course, Lisa uses her Amazon account to buy uh, gift cards. That's her favorite. One of her favorite kinds of. Uh, gifts and uh, that obviously is a, a source of fraud yeah. and Amazon has gotten worse and it's harder and harder for her to buy something on Amazon because they think she's doing something skeevy she's not uh, let's take a break we, we and by the way you can hold the email saying you guys are talking so much about the Vision Pro you ain't seen nothing yet yeah <laughs> this is just the beginning right this See is the in a couple months yeah yeah. yeah, you might as well just tune out for the next six months because that's uh, as soon as you guys get them. 
Well, I want to know. We're well, going to want to get it. Let, let, let me give my, a pitch. My, I want to give a pitch here, which please. is the reason that you should care even if you're not going to buy this thing is that it's a brand new Apple platform. Apple's invested a huge amount of money in it. It's put a lot of cutting edge tech in it. It's going to be interesting, even if it's all just a kind of an academic exercise of like, what would Apple do if they had a product that they had to make and they were given a nearly infinite amount of money to make it and they didn't even care about what it costs. So it's going to cost a huge amount of money, but it's still like first real new Apple software platforms in the Apple Watch, um, completely new sort of interaction model yeah. than they've ever had before. Apple's got some very smart uh, software designers and interaction, you know, user experience engineers and designers. And they have, uh, in taking my 30 minutes with it, like one of the things I walked away from was, oh, this is a very thoughtfully considered product. It's very right. interesting. Even if you don't want it, even if nobody wants it, even if it, it's going to be a flop, like if you're interested in Apple and how they work and how they build devices and how they write software and what their philosophy of computer computing devices is, I think you should pay attention to the Vision Pro anyway, because yeah. it is Apple doing its thing. Whether you yeah. want it or not, it's it's a great example of what Apple does, and, and, and it's the current state of the art and the current mode of thinking that Apple has, presumably, that will extrapolate to impact yeah. other products as well. 100%. Apple, to, Apple is a storyteller, and every product they release is a character in the story that they're telling. I, don't, I can't say that about any other company out there. Um. Yeah, we'll be uh, watching yeah. with great interest, Apple. My guess, tell me if you think I'm really off base, is that Apple's probably put over 10 years as much as $100 billion into developing this thing. Does that seem outrageous? No. It's less than 10 years, but I think it's been like six years, maybe. Okay. Um, been, uh, I think they, so they started talking about USDZ. I believe in 2016 or 2015. Oh, there you and, go. And that years, was the beginning. Nine years. So that was the, yeah. you know, like, so that was, and, and they had been thinking about it before that. So, so before they, and I suppose before they right, started first, they start talking about AR kit and USDZ all and all of that, it was That's clear the writing was on the wall. So yeah, it's coming up 10 years and it's yeah. certainly with we, how much they put into this. It's, it's, we know that meta uh, says they yeah. put in about 10 billion a year in developing yeah. uh, their VR uh, efforts. Uh, I'm sure at first Apple put in, you know, a, a mere billion, but I, right. um, I think as, as they got closer to a product, it ramped up. I mean, a hundred billion would be the outside, but it, that's, I mean, that's a big so commitment. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons, most, that's yeah. my theory for why they're doing it. World's most prominent technology company spending a huge amount of money on a product category that nobody has been proven to actually want, but they think there might be something there they're and they're going to do whatever. Yeah. And and also, I, I want to say again, that price, the interesting thing about that price is that this is a fascinating product because it's not hobbled in a way a lot, of, in a way a product that is meant to sell like hotcakes would be, right? Where, where you've got that weird kind of contrast where you're like, well, we, we have to cheap out on it if anybody's going to buy it. But by cheaping out on it, it makes it less useful. Uh, where do you draw right. the line? And with this product, I think it's clear that Apple drew the line at it's going to be useful, uh, you know, and it's going to be expensive. Make and it we as don't good care. as we can, and, right? Make and, it yeah, as good as we can. can. It's like a hero product. A yeah, they, but they could. They could wind which up makes like it interesting. Repeating. They could wind up repeating what happened with the Newton message pad where they sure. once again created a personal digital assistant that is, no, this is this idea executed flawlessly with everything that you could possibly want, the best way you can do it. And then like a year later, Palm came out and said, what if this cost a third as much fit in your shirt pocket? The development well, kit came free with the thing. And no, it doesn't do handwriting recognition, but we'll give you a bunch of things that are an advantage that we, a big advantage. Well, I'm saying 
that it's it's going to be interesting to see if this actually promotes VR, AR as a category in addition to promoting Apple Vision Pro. Well, if you look at the number of headsets that are coming out at CES, it absolutely has. It has turned the whole industry. Everyone sees this market that sits below $3,500. There's this huge opening of like, well, that's where Apple's going to go. So now they're spending. And so the, you have the, the XR and the, you know, the MR and the, all the other things that are coming out during CES. And so you're right that there is an opportunity for that. And there's an opportunity um, bluntly for Meta to take advantage of this and, and have something that's $1,500, $2,000 that it gives them room to actually go up a little bit and and go into that market because Apple's kind of set a bar where they're like, well, it's half as much as Apple. And so so I think that there's there's a bunch of things. The good news for people like me is that there'll be a lot of production. <laughs> people need to build content for it. So um, so the but I think that there is a um, you know, I do think that we're going to see something that that that, you know, I've never seen a product release. When you go back and look at when Apple announced USDZ, they had been thinking about this headset probably for a couple of years. Like that's what it takes. Oh, I got we, we should do a headset. And then there's a how do we build that? And then they built a pipeline and then they have been walking down this pipeline for the last decade. And, and it is, you know, launching the USDZ, figuring that out, figuring out, getting people to understand what it is, getting it into all the apps, getting it into all the, the infrastructure, getting it support, you know, all these bits and pieces that they lay out. I've never seen a product with this much runway. It's like almost Apple's is, Manhattan you know, project or, or maybe their, it is. It's, their moon landing project, and, which and took the, 10 years and also. The, 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 and I think what people are concerned about is, there is an opportunity for someone to come in underneath Apple and usurp all of that using the excitement like Midjourney did to to Dolly, to be honest. Right. Oh, um, all you have to do is look at uh, all the companies announcing uh, yeah. headsets. As you mentioned, uh, Samsung is going to do at CES a, a, a XR VR headset in conjunction with Google. Uh, Sony is has announced it's mixed reality. This is also at CES. Well, and they've had these. I mean, Sony and, and Samsung have been doing these for uh, a decade. Yeah. A decade. Yeah, all, so, so always been, junky you know, and not anything. I was in. Here's a company called Ocutrex, which is uh, showing off. In fact, tonight we'll be showing off the Ocutrex OcuLens, which really looks cuckoo. And then, just in case you weren't sure, CES itself has a whole track on augmented sure. and virtual reality. Whoops. Remember all the slates in 2010 because everybody thought that the iPad was going to be called the iSlate? I mean, CES is the mecca for the fast follow movement of tech, right? Where you got to get in there. And there's there's space, right? There's space for legitimate products in there. And Apple, and he's right. And by going, by sparing no expense, Apple has left a lot of room down below. I think Apple must think that down below is not good enough for most people, which they might be right. I don't know. But there's plenty of space. There's $3,500 worth of space below them. And, well, and, and I to be fair, go CES also has a crypto cryptocurrency track <laughs> this year, right. uh, an NFTs track featuring a obviously uh, AI generated person. <laughs> uh, you know, spend some money on stock stock photos, please. Do me do me a favor. But I guess it's <laughs> blockchain. Oh wait a minute, this is good news. Blockchain is going mainstream. Hey, congratulations. That's the, uh, that's, I don't know if I would use Bitcoin as the blockchain is going mainstream, but, but that's the, but yeah, the, the, um, I, I think that, that Apple can go back down, but Apple in the, Apple's MO has always been, we're going to come in expensive and then we're going to go both directions. We're going to slowly close right. off all of the options all the way yep. down to the least expensive and we're going to keep going up as well. And so, it was in the name for a reason. Yeah. It's yeah, kind so, of interesting so because, that, uh, 
this Oculus OcuLens is designed for people with macular degeneration. It's a very specific medical appliance. Macular degeneration, yeah. of course, narrows your vision. Uh, and this thing is designed, they say, for uh, for making it possible for those people to still see, which I think is a very good idea. So maybe there are some specific medical uses as well uh, I think, for this. I think the other scary thing for, I think, a lot of these manufacturers is if Apple gets, if, if it works, like, they're you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't really matter. They'll, they'll just sell into those things. If it actually works, you know, Apple's lock on this is so hard to break because they've done so much work on it that it'll make anything that people talk about as far as their their access you know the iphone level control of the market will be much bigger because if they if they go down and become less expensive the entry the the table stakes on this is about 100 billion dollars <laughs> like you know like if you if you go in 10 years you know like that's the thing is they've done something so hard that if somebody else wants to try to catch up it's going to be very, very, very difficult to catch up, you know, and you have, and you have these, you have a, you have a, an operating system, you have all these other things that are all tied in, you have all these other devices that are mm-hmm. all tied in, you have all these other bits and pieces. It becomes the, the only, you know, if, if they, if it actually comes out of the gate and successful, you know, the, Apple's number one problem, and I've said this for the last five years, their number one problem is antitrust. You know, like, and, and <laughs> yes. you know, like, like that's their number one issue because no one's really competing with Apple anymore. I don't think Apple really, you know, they're not really competing with them, you know, and, and I think that antitrust is their biggest, their biggest challenge over the next decade. Let me pile on here next and just year. say, and imagine if this is actually not a product that anybody wants today, but it keeps it alive long enough. And we all agree that actually it just needs to be a lot less bulky. It needs to be more yeah. like a pair of glasses. And and that's a thing that the technology is going to be able to do in, let's say, five years or seven years. Who's right. going to stick it out for five or seven or ten years yeah. until we get to that point? And the answer is Apple is because they've got all the money and they can afford to do it. But are the competitors who are putting these products out now in it for the right. long haul, are they going to look a year in and be like, oh, no, it's too early and then back out again and that's part of the game apple's playing here is if they put in all this money and all this time if this thing takes off there's going to be nobody even willing to try to compete with them until it's so late in the game that it's going to be very hard for anybody to beat apple's advantage yeah Yeah. also apple will have time to do maybe something like what they did with the apple watch where remember with the first demos that they gave they totally got it wrong what people what they thought people would be buying this for and what this product was after a year or so of the in the market the marketplace told them that hey wow this is a really great fitness watch and apple said really it's not wearable computing it's not something that lets you see live video of your garage door opening and closing no nope it's a great fitness watch yes we built indeed yes we built a great fitness watch thank you for hearing us correctly the messaging that we're saying so i think people are going to be telling them here is what your vision pro is Mm -hmm. And by 2025, 2026, maybe they'll stop talking about spatial computing and start talking about a shade of that same meeting that is that is translatable to a problem that people are actually solving with the device. I guarantee you that in a year there will be some fundamental tenant of the Vision Pro that Apple has learned through shipping the product is wrong. Right. And yeah. at least one, if not many, because, you know, they can test it all they want on the inside. But like the world is different. It's full of weirdos who do weird stuff. And they're <laughs> going to and, and we people react differently to people who work at Apple. And yeah. uh, that's how you got. That's why you got to ship something eventually like that Apple Watch, that Apple Watch on one level. They had huge pressure to ship it. Oh, God, Apple's doomed if they don't ship a watch, which was stupid at the time. But then that first watch looking back, it's like. 
I mean, they, they didn't really well, I mean, know what people were going to do with it, and they learned. Yeah. And they learned. The first iPhone is the same. You look back at it and go, "Wow, that was cute." You know, but you can't, you can't, you, as you, cut, paste. And, you can't, you can't get here from there without just remaking releases. And and again, that yeah, yeah I think you're right that, that they will continue to learn now at, at a very high rate um, about what people, how to how to how people want to use it and. And again, I think it's the integration. I do think that you're going to, I, I, I'm very curious to see how things like pages and numbers and, and, uh, and keynote looks, because now that they have USDZ support, the ability to get a document from somebody and just tap on it and then just sit there and use your little hands and move it around is interesting. You know, like it's, it's a, I think it's an interesting, uh, you know, solution. All right, let's take a little break. Uh, a week from Friday, you can order February 2nd, they'll arrive. If you were successful in your order, uh, that means we will have uh, our first uh, review of the um, Vision Pro. I'm hoping uh, on February 6th for our uh, February 6th show. Give you guys uh, enough time to play with it and and report back. Zoom's available for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do it on. Do your do your call on their Vision Pro. I don't I want to see your spooky eyes. Uh, <laughs> I can't right. wait to see what Zoom looks like. One way we could have saved some money up for our Vision Pros is Rocket Money, our sponsor for this segment on Mac Break Weekly. Uh, if I ask you, uh, well, this is actually we. This is kind of funny because this was our kind of New Year resolution. Lisa and I wanted to use Rocket Money to go through all of our subscriptions because we know we have a ton of them and figure out what we don't need. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have. Do you think you could list them all? Do you know how much you're paying? I, I'm i going to guess, you know, I would have said yes before I started using Rocket Money. I found out. Let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. In fact, Rocket Money has saved me enough money to, to buy a Vision Pro, actually, uh, through subscriptions I'd completely forgotten about. In fact, Rocket Money just told me about one yesterday for a company I don't even know. I'm, I just, I don't know. I'm going to dispute it, I guess. I love Rocket Money. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels them for you. Your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has more than 5 million users and has helped to save its members an average of, get this, $720 a year, more than $500 million in canceled subscriptions. With Rocket Money, you see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, cancel it with a tap they do the work you never have to get on the phone with customer service that's worth its weight in gold stop wasting money on things you don't use cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash macbreak it's also a great tool for budgeting and knowing where your money is etc etc rocket it's really the best rocketmoney.com slash macbreak i know you can you know you could just look it up in the app store but please would you do me a favor Go to the website so they know you saw it here, rocketmoney.com slash MacBreak. And we thank them so much for supporting MacBreak Weekly. Another way you can support the show this year, go to our Twit 2024 survey. Uh, we've shortened it because we just want to make it easy for you. It's the only way we really, really know anything about you. We don't track you. RSS feeds don't know anything about you. Uh, so we ask you once a year to go to our survey and take it and that gives us a good idea of who you are, what you like, what you're interested in, so we can do better serve you. Uh, and yes, I'll be honest, it's, it helps us pitch advertisers if we can say, you know, people between the age of 25 to 54 and so forth. Uh, the uh, survey is easy to find, twit.tv slash survey 
24. And uh, thanks in advance for taking that. You have till the end of the month, but don't wait. Just do it right now. Get it over with. Uh, so last week we talked about the series of exploits, the CVEs that Apple patched in July. We talked about a Kaspersky uh, uh, revelation about this, which uh, they did at the Chaos Computer Congress. They called it Project Operation Triangulation. Uh, Kaspersky had a number of uh, its employees' phones, iPhones, compromised through a very sophisticated chain of four different exploits, ending in an exploit CVE two zero two three three eight six zero six. That is very interesting. Now, at the at the front end of these chain of exploits, it, they think it was the NSO Group's Pegasus software. Now, I, I mention that because NSO Group has said again and again, we only sell to nations. We do not sell to individual hackers. So that's one piece of evidence that whoever did this was a nation state. Kaspersky is a Russian uh, antivirus company. I should point out another piece of information Kaspersky was implicated in 2015, 2016, when the NSA lost a whole set of hacking tools. Turned out in a contractor at the NSA had taken those hacking tools home. He had this Kaspersky antivirus running on his machine. It exfiltrated the exploits to Kaspersky's Moscow offices, where from there it went somehow uh, to the Russian GRU, etc., etc., uh, and WikiLeaks. So. Kaspersky, I think, has been under the, this is data point two. First one, remember, nation state. Second one, data point two. Kaspersky has been getting the stink eye from the NSA, and the NSA is somewhat motivated to figure out, you know, are they a, are they a branch of the Russian GRU, or are they have they been compromised themselves? And in fact, uh, the State Department bans Kaspersky's antivirus, as does, the, as does most of the federal government. Uh, for use on government computers for this reason. There's point number two. NSA doesn't like Kaspersky is interested. Point number three came up right after uh, Security Now or during Security Now on Tuesday. Remember I said Steve would have a lot to say about this. Security Now uh, from last Tuesday, 955, was titled The Mystery of CVE 2023-38606. Steve did a very deep dive on how this exploit uh, worked. In fact, if if you don't want to listen to the show, Dan Gooden at Ars Technica has done a similar deep dive. Now, I don't uh, this. I'm not going to put words into Steve's mouth because uh, Steve did not say what I'm about to say. What Steve did say is that this was an incredibly sophisticated exploit that required knowledge of a table built into. Uh, all the iPhones for the last four or five years, this not without the information in this table, the exploit wouldn't have worked. So Kaspersky's speculation was that Apple had left in some debugging code for four or five years <laughs> inadvertently. Steve points out that they have been maintaining this code in every version of iOS since, but that this particular 256 byte table has never changed you would need this information to use this exploit 
Apple patched it in July in a very simple way. They just denied access. They Instead of uh, jumping uh, into this table, it just said deny, 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 deny. And interestingly, nothing broke. Uh, everything continued to work just fine. It was a very simple patch, actually. Now, I'm going to, this is all me. This is not Steve. Although when I proposed this to Steve, he said, well, that's a pretty reasonable explanation. Remember, nation state, NSA, very, this is security through obscurity, very obscure table that you would not normally have access to. Only Apple would have, and presumably Apple would keep it under lock and key in the utmost way because knowing this decoding table gives you basically root access to the iPhone. Well, somebody did this to Kaspersky's phones. It took them a year. They finally revealed it in October, uh, this chain of exploits. And through reverse engineering, we're able to come up with this box uh, and this hash and so forth. It is my theory, and I'm, I'm proposing this to you guys, and you can shoot me down, that this is an intentional backdoor built into all iPhones for the last five years. It was built in by Apple, I'm sure, kicking and screaming. I don't think Apple would have wanted to do this. It's, I think it's clearly not debu a debugging tool. I think Apple put this in here intentionally, secured it and in every way possible, as best they could. But they did it because, I believe, the NSA sent them a national security letter using a FISA court. As you probably know, those national security letters require that the company or party receiving it Never reveal that they received the letter or acted in any way. That's to make sure that the perp they're investigating doesn't get wind of the fact that this is happening. I believe the NSA or somebody like the NSA, some agency, and probably in the U.S., I think almost certainly in the U.S., because Apple's got to do it if they get a, a FISA court subpoena, said, you must put this back door in. And you must give us this 256-byte code so that we can at some point use this. I believe the NSA used it at least, they may have used it many times, at least to investigate Kaspersky. Kaspersky, being very smart, figured this out after a year of research and revealed it to the world. I don't think Apple did this because they wanted to. I think Apple did it because they had to. Thoughts? <sighs> I know that's a lot to unload on you. It's the, the difficulty is that it's would it's an incredible charge. However, if it's unprovable, you, I understand. The, the, we'll it's it's unprovable, but the, but the logic of your argument is that there are legal apparatuses in place so that if this were something that the government, our government decided to do to force Apple to do, there would be no evidence of it. Uh, as such, I have no comment. I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's this is the very famous national security letter, which was part of the FISA court here from the Electronic Frontier Foundation is uh, information about these. Uh, it's a law enforcement investigative tool similar to a subpoena, most commonly used by the FBI. That's, by the way, another suspect here. Remember, San Bernardino happened right about that time frame. Um, well, there there are a few other scenarios here, right? There's a scenario that this is indeed a debugging tool that was left in accidentally. Um, That's what Kaspersky and, thought, by the way. And, right. And and then, so you're like, okay, accidentally. But there is also accidentally on purpose, right? Which is it gets left in accidentally and somebody starts to exploit it. And there's potentially a moment there where, you know, this is against what Apple says. But like, like you said, maybe they're held to like, you can't fix this. 
because we're using yeah. it for for yeah. some reason. Here, what's it's so also, bad from the EFF? What's so bad about NSLs, Andy? Gags the company from telling anyone they did right. so. Exactly. Right. It's also possible, and I, I don't know all the security rules inside Apple, but we have heard stories before of people working inside tech companies, including potentially Apple, who are actually working with intelligence agencies. So there's uh, there are other scenarios here where this gets you know accidentally left in. This is like the AT and T uh, special room where uh, right. all AT and T internet traffic was directed right. back to the law enforcement. But you could you could potentially have a a, a uh, somebody who's an Apple employee, but is actually also working for right. yeah, I mean, a U.S. or oh yeah, I don't know what the yeah, intelligence is. actor You're and right. leaving it in because the question is it's not just why did it get in there because it could be debugging like Kaspersky says. The question is how did it never get noticed and did it never get noticed? Well, and, and Steve I says there there have been regular updates to this uh, ever since. So it's, it's it's not that it was not known. The, the thing that's really important to this is this 256-byte lookup table. Without this, it's you can't do anything with it. Uh, and Apple would certainly have had this table, right? Because they, they wrote it into the code. It's in the code. Right. You At some point, somehow, somebody at Apple gave this away or it was dis- it's possible it was discovered, although Steve described the protections and they're pretty darn good. It's right. the kind but, of thing uh, Apple would have written right. to to keep it secure. Right. So I think the question is, I don't think we can tell from the outside whether... No, we don't know how if, it happened. If it was based on a yeah. disclosure, was Apple compelled to disclose it? I, I, I think it's safe to say that I don't think Apple offered it, right? I think oh, this, right. Was a, this was... I don't a, want to imply unlikely, that Apple in any way unlikely. wanted to do this. Right. So the question is, were they compelled or... Was it, I hate to say it, an inside job, right? right. Where essentially somebody spirited the code away. Completely and presumably possible. that would be somebody yeah. who was an, an Apple employee with access. And, and I know this sounds conspiratorial, but we've had cases of this where there have been people in positions in tech companies and it turned out they were working for a government, right? right? right. And that they were highly placed and maybe they were, yeah. I don't want to get theatrical and say like a sleeper agent or something, but people oh, who are Saudi Arabia placed, had people at Twitter bosses. who were, yeah. who were sending stuff yeah. out. Uh, it's happened before Chinese uh, operatives were at uh, TikTok sending stuff out. So, yeah, that's yeah. I don't really know how it happened. I'm giving you one possible scenario. I am sure Apple didn't want to do this. I think this was a voluntary backdoor. But the point remains, there is there was for five years a backdoor in the iPhone. It does. Well, and and re- I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Andy. I was just going to say, it, it does seem remarkable. One of the reasons why this is an attractive scenario is that it does seem remarkable that such a low level down to the metal vulnerability existed without either A, Apple knowing about it and knowing about it and patching it, B, another security researcher finding it and contacting Apple and getting Apple to patch it. It just, the, the, we've had uh, the time that a lot of people have spent trying to explain how this worked means that this is not just a simple thing. There were multiple vulnerabilities that were being used in combination. And with, if any one of those bridges were to, were to fail, then this exploit would not work. It just seems incredible that so many failures of security would have happened at a company like Apple. And I would consider your, your, theory to be one of many plausible theories and one of the things that'll be interesting is if it turned out to be some kind of inside job 
you know, Apple is no longer, is not constrained by FISA, <laughs> which means that, that they'll let people know how it happened and people will get fired and people will, and potentially a bunch of other things, because it means that they weren't, they weren't being told by the government what to do. They, the government just inserted people into that, into that mix. And I think that that probably happens more commonly than people think. I mean, I think that from all different directions, um, having, uh, you know, folks that are in the intelligence agencies working in tech companies is an obvious ex- exploit. <laughs> Like, like it is a, and Apple, is a, I would think it's this really would, easy to hide. It would be easy you know, for Apple to figure out who put it in there and who exfiltrated it, I think. Right. So um, I'm saying if, if but if they've Apple known about this since July, it. they patched it in July. I, I think that the other thing is, is that the, a lot of researchers, especially if you have a team that's been there for a long time, a lot, I don't know about Apple, but I will say that a lot of hardware and software have backdoors because it's just easier to get into something and a, and a team may decide, well, it's really safe and they're not. And I think we think that all things go through a central thing, but on a giant code base, yeah. a lot of people can can hide a lot of things in there of like, oh, and it comes down to, I just don't want to have to go through that process to to just do the thing that I'm trying to do. I just need something that I can push this button and turn it and I can get in there and work on it and then pull it back out again. That is that's the most common solution <laughs> for, for backdoors is that people that developers want a backdoor to fix things or get in without going through the rigmarole that they have to do. And a lot of products have those hidden somewhere in them so that the developers can get in and out of those things or test things or everything else. This seems like it would be bad judgment. Yeah. The level of this is it's, it's interesting. It's the other thing I find case. interesting is the timeline of this. This has been in there since roughly the FBI uh, San Bernardino kerfuffle and the NSA uh, tools leak kerfuffle. So, look, I guess really the only we will never know unless Apple finds a person uh, and comes forward. I don't. I think they would have done it by now. So I think we probably will never know. Very important point. This may not be the only backdoor in an iPhone. It, this, there may well be similar backdoors in many, many devices, and we would never know. Just a point that I guess, I don't know, a data point we should all be aware of. Well, that's, that's part of the awareness that I think we all should have, that the power of a nation state, including our nation state, to basically do exactly what they want to do, regardless of palatability to the public, regardless of the law, is infinite. And we should not be so naive as to think that our government would not do a certain thing, right? Because they certainly would. We just look, I mean, look how, how angry and forceful uh, law enforcement agencies have been publicly to try to get backdoors into all hardware, legislated through Congress. Imagine what they can do if they think that, well, no one knows that we have a mechanism in place so that we can make that demand that is legally binding and we, there will be no public blowback from that whatsoever. So that always has to be something we consider. It's going to make an excellent novel uh, and movie. That's all I can say. The other thing I would say is that this is such a technical topic. I don't see a lot of like coverage around this uh, because it is so difficult to understand. So uh, if you want to know more, I would listen to Steve's uh, security now from last week. And I wonder what Steve will say this week because he probably is continuing to. He basically devoted the whole show to it. Now, again, it was not his speculation that this 
how this happened. It was my speculation. He said it's a mystery. <laughs> and it yeah. is it is definitely a mystery. We, so, yeah. No, I mean something's mystery. actually something's actually are mysteries. We don't know if the people if yeah. the th- three guys who escaped from uh, Alcatraz drowned or whether they escaped. We don't know if DB Cooper landed someplace bruised and battered but with $200,000. We we know what probably happened but it's going to be a mystery. We have no way of knowing exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, it, the good news is Apple patched it very quickly and very easily, <laughs> interestingly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it is no longer a backdoor. And, and yeah. also, I think that we may find that uh, um, Apple, you know, once you get caught doing this also, there could be a bunch of other things that they quietly close up. If there was anything else there, there's going to, if they did do something, they're probably going to close them up. If they didn't do something... They're definitely going to, there's going to be a whole lot of meetings and a whole lot of like people combing through code to, to, to find any other ones that look like this. So yeah. I think that it'll become, it'll be, it will become more, uh, more secure as a result. Probably not in just this one exploit. There'll probably be four or five other ones that in your quote unquote security updates are tying, you know, tying shut. Yeah. And Alex, you had a good point that. It po- it's possible that it was essentially something that was a, an exploit that was left in place with the knowledge of developers inside of Apple without any malice. Because uh, one of the other possibilities, and I've I've been told about this on a couple of different occasions, where a developer inside a company knew that there was a problem, but there were so many dependencies were tied that were tied to this problem that they didn't want to have the bureaucratic fight, bureaucratic fight of here are the assets we're going to need. Here's the staff we're going to need to fix this hole. And so they didn't even get so far as alerting other people about it. They were just so burned out at that point in their careers that they're like, I'm, I'm done. It's not worth my trouble. And oftentimes it's, it's, it's one of those things like I, you know, there was a, there was a, a lot of conspiracy theories about a loud bang that happened during Obama and R- Romney's debate. If you go back and look, and at the time it was like, it had a week of people talking about this loud bang that happened there. That was me pulling a 1650 over a, over a, uh, it was you. a metal. I didn't know it was going to make so much noise. It was, it was, it was, it was a metal, uh, it was a metal yellow jacket and it was the door to the doc, to the, to the debate was open and I had finished what I was doing there. And so I was coming out and I just hit that thing and it made so much noise and secret service looked at me, right? And just went, no, he's fine. <laughs> like we're fine. <laughs> and it just like, and that was, that was it. But watching a week of that, wow. of being on Fox news and on all these other things of this loud bang during the Romney, you know, and there was, there was the people, someone got shot and there was all this <laughs> stuff. And, and, it was like you know, yeah. 1650, funny, a metal funny. metal yellow jacket makes a lot of noise. Funny, so. isn't it? How a lot of these conspiracy theories turns out to be the simplest, dumbest thing right. imaginable because you just can't imagine that it's possible for somebody to simply close a door and create a log bang well, they could, be heard during they, a national they, they debate. They couldn't close the door because all the cables were going in and out. So I yeah. went, I was like five feet out of the door and probably 15 feet from the uh, Romney, I think, was on that side. And so it was very close, you know, to the mics when it went over it. But but there was no, you know, I was just walking out of the building, you know. And so so the, uh, but I have, I have a few of those. Um, anyway, but how, but can I ask how relieved were you when you saw the? Okay, I'm not going to well, get shot. I'm not going to be wrestled to the ground. When <laughs> you, you make a couple that of those, a, that was just a mistake. You, I've had a couple interactions with the Secret Service where I just go like this. <laughs> I put my hands up. I had, I had, you know, I, I had one where I was, I was, uh, I was measuring the East room and with a laser measure, which a laser measure is really useful, except that if you don't know where it's coming from, it looks like, a, it looks like other things. And, um, and so I missed the door in the East room. Suddenly secret service came in and they're like, Hey, how's it going? Uh, what, what's going on here? And I was like, Oh, I'm just measuring the room. And he was like, what, what are you using to do that? And I showed him the laser measure and he was like, 
Let's not do that anymore. <laughs> don't, don't. Let's not, let's let's not have red dots. He's like very stressed. You can tell he's very stressed. He's like, I, I, he's like, yeah. I, I, just, I, I suddenly pictured there's probably like four guys right outside of my vision that were, you know, like, like with the guns up. Like, <laughs> they're, they're, and maybe that's when you realize that if they had laser sights, they would probably be invisible to my eyes and they're wearing yeah. contacts so could, they could see the eight different st- spots that are lighting up my face and chest right now. So anyways, was just point, measuring point the east room? Come on, man. By the way, what if you hit the little crystals in, in the chandeliers in yeah. the east room with a yeah. laser, it Ooh. just goes everywhere. It's yeah. oh, anyway, I really so, scared him, by the way. <laughs> um, but the uh, <laughs> anyway, um, the uh, uh, but the point is, is that I've been in a lot of those situations where we something happened very simple and then everyone makes up all these conspiracy theories. And that was probably the most uh, public one. And so I think a lot of times I look at these things and I go. It might just be something simple, <laughs> like or someone just needed a back door so that they could get into that thing, and they didn't want to go through the the trouble of of all the the, the headaches that they would go through. It, it, that's <laughs> the, probably the most likely. Um, these other things are sure. possible that it's conspiracy, or that Apple did it, or there was a there was a rogue agent, or all those things. But the most common thing, because it happens all the time, back doors in software and hardware is so. It's like every piece of hardware and software has push this button, turn this button, turn, you know, turn like with Sony cameras, there's a menu on the professional cameras. And then there's a, you hold these two buttons down and you push this one and you get a whole nother menu. Like, you know, that, that is, you know, how to, how to actually do engineering on the camera. So is that, that kind of thing. It's uh, interesting, by the way, the guy who created Asahi Linux, which is the Linux that runs on Apple Silicon, Hector Martin, did toot on Mastodon. Thank you, Addison, in our Discord for passing this along. He says, no, no, it's not It's not a conspiracy. That uh, that 256-byte hash is almost certainly ECC code. Uh, yes, it could be, you know, it was a bug that they were able to use it, but it was it was in there for ECC on Apple's cache. Their SOCs have cash. So uh, he, and boy, if anybody knows the inner uh, operating, uh, operation of uh, Apple Silicon, it's Hector because he has to he has to get around a lot of stuff to get Asahi working. So uh, maybe it's all a tempest in a teapot. I'll, I'll just leave you with, with that. It's a fascinating story, and I'm sure uh, that uh, somebody has already uh, optioned it. Uh, I want to take a little break here uh, before we go on. We have more to talk about, but I do want to mention our sponsor, Ecamm. And I know that's not uh, that's not a surprise to anybody. It's the leading live streaming and video production studio. And I emphasize studio built for the Mac. Uh, Micah uses it for uh, iOS today. Uh, we know so many people who use it. There's Doc Rock right there in the lower third, of course. He's a Ecamm advocate. Whether you're a beginner or an expert, Ecamm is here to elevate your video production. It's amazing what Ecamm can do. From streaming and recording to podcasting and presenting, Ecamm Live is your all-in-one video tool, perfect for simplifying your workflow. Ecamm Live includes support for multiple cameras and screen sharing. And you've got a switcher in software, a live camera switcher that lets you direct your show in real time. Honestly, if we'd had Ecamm back when we started Twit, I think we'd probably be using that alone. Stand out from the crowd with high-quality video. Add logos. Yes, you could do titles, lower thirds. Drop in video clips. You could bring on... Inter- it's great for interviews. Use a green screen, of course. So much more. Join the thousands of worldwide entrepreneurs, marketing professionals, lots of podcasters, educators, musicians, and other Mac users who rely on Ecamm Live daily. You know what? If you have a Mac, celebrate it. 
by using the best software out there for doing this kind of thing. Get one month free when you subscribe to any of Ecamm's plans. Visit E-C-A-M-M, ecamm.com slash twit. Ecamm just gets better every year. Ecamm.com slash twit. Don't forget the promo code twit at checkout for two reasons. One, you'll get that one month free, but two, they'll know you saw it here, and that's important to us. Ecamm.com slash twit. Thank you, Cam, for your support. We appreciate it. Uh, let's see. This is this has been oh, there's been a lot to talk about. I'm surprised. Let's talk about hey, <laughs> thirty seven signals. Who, by the way, bought the domain hey dot com from one of our very first, maybe our very first employee, uh, Dane. Uh, he had hey dot com, and he said someday this will be my retirement fund. And I think thirty seven signals. Was. Yeah, spent a lot of money uh, to get that from Dane. And I hope he got. I hope he got a big payday. So they had email for a while at hey.com. Then they decided to do a calendar app. Uh, this is uh, this is this was the news on Monday. It's changed a little bit today. Uh, from David Hanemeyer Hansen at Thirty Seven Signals, Apple waited until the end of business on Friday to send us the formal rejection of the Hey Calendar app. Uh, now. DHH is as conspiracy-minded as anybody. He says they love to play these games to drown any controversy with the cover of a weekend. Uh, all right. Apple said they rejected it because it doesn't do anything when you download it. <laughs> you have to have an existing account with the Hey Email service. Remember, Hey Email service also had trouble with Apple when it first came out. But what's the latest? They have now, uh, Apple has now uh, approved so- it. Yeah, it, so what, what, what DHS says he did was, despite Apple, he made it, since it's a calendar, he made it have a not logged in state, which shows the data from one calendar. Oh. And that calendar, he said, over the weekend, he had his people work over the weekend because they absolutely had to address this immediately, apparently. And what he did was he had them input in a bunch of dates that are sort of like this day in Apple history and then resubmitted it. Now, uh, while boasting about this on, um, I think on Twitter, what he said was uh, he was taking the contents, you know, or inspired by, I didn't say taking the contents, inspired by a $40,000 Kickstarter, but now you get it for free, which is weird punching down because that's Stephen Hackett's Kickstarter. And, oh, you know, it, it's got photography and he did a lot of research and they didn't use his write-ups, but it feels like they were inspired by it. And then he, David Hannemeyer Hansen feels like it's okay to kind of punch, punch down at a, a, he's supposed to be fighting for the little guy against the big guy, but he's, you know, he's the big guy in this scenario. And Stephen Hackett is the little guy. Um, and then also he's boasting about making his employees work the weekend to slap together a calendar in a weekend so that they can run that past Apple. I think really classless move on his part. I'm not surprised. He seems like a pretty classless individual. But um, in the end, it did the trick, apparently. I would also say that perhaps somebody at Apple was like, why are we getting into this with these guys again? Just let it go through. Um, but regardless, it's now apparently been approved. So, yay. I should I should mention DHH got a lot of good karma because he created Ruby on Rails. Uh, and 37 Signals, which did some does some really great stuff with Jason Fried. But in the last few years, <laughs> he's uh, he's proven to be a real um, dirt nugget. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm kind of not a fan of how Hayes managed this, uh, going back to their email, right? At the uh, same time, it's stupid. Like, a- Apple, uh, they don't, what Apple's what trying is to Apple, say what is here Apple, is that if you have... 
if you have a separate service and you have an app to access the service, they don't want it to not work in a logged in state unless you can sell it through the app store. It's right. it's the they it's want the their thirty percent. It's the basest rent seeking right. that they've ever that they ever do in the app store. It's ridiculous. If somebody has built a business on the side and then you need to log in in order to use it, like you should just let that app be that way nobody's downloading that app hoping it will work without subscribing to the thing it's really just rent seeking it's it's stupid it is the it, it, I, I don't know I, I don't know why they're still playing this game at all and um and that's why i'm like you know maybe the, the workaround that they came up with was enough to get it approved but i do part of me wonders if somebody inside apple was like why are you picking a fight with this guy over this stupid thing? So yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know the truth of it, but like it is a stupid thing. He's right about that for sure. I, I don't have any dispute about the fact that his customers should be able to download an app and log in with their customer information and use the app on, on their iPhone. Like why are, why are we even talking about this in 2024? It seems like a lot of apps do kind of have to jump through that hoop and provide a kind of a, basically uh window dressing without logging in uh but the real functionality of course requires that you log in with an account that you paid for somewhere besides apple's platform um I'm, it's not that big of a hoop though i mean like we i had to build an app i built an app that that or i designed an app that was built for it and we you know we it was only for people who had a password you know to get in right uh, but it wasn't really we weren't selling so anything, what did you do it didn't work put some movies on the front like some, some example movies of what we do. Like that we just, was enough. When you get there, there's a login yeah. to get to another piece. But there was like four movies that were available and that was it. And we're done. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it didn't go through the first time. And two days later, we, we added some movies and two days later it was working. You know, it just wasn't that it was not that big of a deal. I'm thinking of my uh, both uh, the last two cars I've owned have had Ford has a Ford app. BMW has a BMW app. And they're really not functional unless you have a car. Which you didn't give Apple thirty percent for, so well. I mean, there are rules about physical, right? You can buy oh, physical, you can buy you can books on, you can oh, buy okay. physical okay. goods in the Amazon app, and they don't care. It's the digital goods that bother them. I do notice yeah. though that both the Ford and the BMW app have, you know, stuff that you can do without having a owning a car. Not much, but they have some stuff, and, and I guess related that's to that, probably related by just having right? a couple couple little things in there. Right. Solves that problem. By the way, I should, uh, you know, I think BMW even now is still the only car company that uses Apple's car key functionality, but, uh, but it works really well. I like it a lot. And I actually have the key to my car is in my Apple wallet, which is hysterical. So, <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, I, the Ford phone is key functionality for the Mustang Mach-E was very unreliable. Uh, it was really weird. This one works quite well. I, I I would expect that, right? I would expect that. Um, you know, it, and it, and good on uh, BMW for using the car key functionality. Uh, let's see. Okay, so that's that. Um, we did the Apple's carefully orchestrating Vision Pro reviews. Have you gotten an invitation yet to a an Apple meeting, Jason? Or can you not talk about it if you did? If I had, I couldn't talk about okay. it. Okay. I haven't. Oh, well, then <laughs> so, you can talk about it. Okay. I can talk all about how I have not yet been invited to any secret <laughs> Apple meetings. It may so happen. It make Still. me deny everything. Yeah. There's next your week, canary. Be, There's your canary. Oh, we need yeah. a canary. There we go. There's the canary. I'll I'm ask you every week. Evasive next week. Then, <laughs> Get evasive. You know. Good. <laughs> oh, Jason's not available this week. That's weird. <laughs> I don't want, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I know that you can't talk about certain things, but remember there was uh, like, 18 shows ago, we agreed that 
if the lava lamp in your background was stationary, it meant that you were under an NDA. Unfortunately, he is using a green screen for his background, oh, so it okay. can't move. Sorry, I got, I, got, I got excited there for a minute. <laughs> Forget I said anything. <laughs> okay. Um, Jason, are you still there? Did we lose him? Oh, no. You're <laughs> muted. There you go. Sorry, yeah, it's, it's all part of the green screen. Well, we OPSEC was... Uh, was destroyed by Andy calling out my green screen. So yeah, um, <laughs> I'm really bad at, at, at being a liar. So when, when I'm evasive, if you pay attention, you can be like, Oh, Jason didn't say he's not going right. right. He just said, Oh, you know, who knows <laughs> right. what the future holds. And I don't, Oh, you know, uh, so it's there if you look for it, but please don't, don't ask, don't press too much. <laughs> I, 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 I think there's been one occasion already that I've been on the panel where I had to send an email to somebody saying, don't ask me about this thing because I can't tell you. Um, but generally not. By the way, I hope, speaking of I hope they invite me though. Apple uh, capabilities, uh, the new CarPlay that Apple showed off is in fact not, wasn't merely a speculative thing. Two car manufacturers have said they're going to adopt it. Unlikely that I will ever own an, what is it, an Alfa Romeo? Uh, what were the two? There were two companies that I don't think. Oh, it's an like Aston Martin? <laughs> yeah, Aston Martin and Alfa Romeo, something like that. And by the way, BYD is another company that does support Apple's uh, car key. Uh, so BYD or BMW, got to buy a car from a company's name that begins with B. Uh, except Bentley doesn't. Oh, there's the the Genesis does. Okay, two twenty twenty three Genesis models use Apple's uh, car key as well. Ah, and the Ionic six does. Hyundai has a couple, so they're more and more now. The, it's a great functionality, I, and you know this is an example. Kia is Nero and Telluride and Celtos do. I think uh, it's a good example of Apple's going to do better software than you are, car company. Just let Apple. Just let <laughs> Apple do it. Let Apple do it. Uh, yeah. This new CarPlay, though, is not being widely jumped on, probably because the car companies also get a lot of money for the data they collect on you when you use their software. Right? Yeah. Also, I, I wonder, just even as a point of pride, like part of the part of the design language of the car is in the instrumentation and the dashboard. Are they going to want Apple's Apple has shown off? Hey, look, we got we we can do the entire uh, glass dashboard uh, with all of with all Apple controlled by Air, by AirPlay and Apple software. And again, what a, especially what a high high end car company want to say that no, no no we don't want we don't want to let another company even a design company like Apple dictate the user interface that. of our yeah. of our brand. Yeah. It's Aston Martin and Porsche. By the way, uh, another car. I mean, it's a start the, 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 when there's nobody using it or not very many people using it, then it's easy for you to say, no, we don't want to do that. If a certain number of True. car companies, especially ones similar to yours, start to use it, the problem you get into is that Apple users will go, well, that works better with my phone and I'm going right. to go use that car. instead." Once they get like if I like for me, I've driven BMWs for I, I don't have a BMW right now, but I used to drive a lot of BMWs. I just keep on buying BMWs, but if it got like, oh, it's a Mercedes and a BMW, I would probably pick the one that worked with my phone. Well, yeah, <laughs> in like, fact, you know, in, in that area, GM's decision so like, not know, like to a, put CarPlay in their cars it makes it a non-starter immediately yeah. for me, right? Yeah, I gotta have CarPlay. BMW kind of hides the CarPlay. They want they have their own you know nav and interface that they really want you to use. This is what uh, the uh, CarPlay will and look. I'm saying, 
like in the. I'm saying uh, this is a, as a person who's using the aux in on my car right now. <laughs> so like I don't, you know, like I have a phone. My phone is attached to the right. thing, and I just use the phone. I don't really care. Yeah, so. this is what uh, Aston Martin's. Uh, actually, the car and driver is confusing me because they give credit to Aston Martin for this, which is the Porsche CarPlay interface, a trio of circular gauges in the cluster and a background wallpaper that mimics the brand's distinctive houndstooth. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it seems like what's going on here is sort of what we speculated about, what, two years ago now, year and a half ago now, which is the CarPlay uh, system, this new CarPlay, has access to some real-time data um, from the car. There's obviously a mechanism by which the car sends real time data to the phone or the phone is sending data that, you know, sending graphics that are updated in real time by the car. One of those, and that there's a wallpapering kind of a theming system. That's a part of this that allows the car maker to have some control over what the UI looks like, at least at default, which is sort of, you know, when people were trying to speculate of how this would work, uh, at a at a high level, since it's not a low level operating system thing, those were the best guesses, and it seems like that's basically what's going on here. So, for example, your speed is showing in CarPlay, but it's you know where is that data coming from? Your your CarPlay doesn't normally know that. Well, it's coming from the car, and there's some questions about like how often is it refreshed, and if you throw on the brakes, is there a delay? And my guess is not. I don't know the details of how it's actually been implemented, but it's either Apple is handing it to the car and saying, here's the graphic. You you know you draw the the text of the speed here in this font that we've agreed on is our font, and this color that we've agreed on is our color. Or it's, you know, it's working in real time and it's monitoring a data source that the car is offering and it's updating in real time. But one of those, because there are lots of laws about like actual active information in a car being updated um, in real time and not like having, oh, my computer was a little slow. And so it yeah, didn't tell me about so this hot. vitally important thing yes. to driving. <laughs> but uh, but they managed it. They found a way to do it, which is uh, it's really interesting, right? Because Apple wants to have more participation in your car UI, but there are stuff that Apple hasn't had access to before, which is why it ends up becoming like an auxiliary screen. And you always end up, I, I, I just have a rental car, uh, for this trip that I'm taking where, um, it's, a, it's, it's nice. It's Chevy bolt. It's great. But like, if you want to, I'm doing CarPlay and then I want to control the, uh, the, the heater in the car. And like, it has to throw up a, a an interface on top of CarPlay right. that shows me what the, what the thermostat is set to, because CarPlay can't tell me that, that only the car knows that for right. sure. And ideally that would all be integrated into CarPlay and we'd all be happy. Yeah. Chevy's going the opposite direction, which is get rid of CarPlay and be Chevy's. Exactly. Interface. Yeah. Which I'm not sure. to that. Yeah, I don't like that. We have a bolt. No. We love the bolt and it currently supports nice. CarPlay and Android auto, but uh, won't in future. Not for long. This is the uh, Porsche uh screen i've got it now uh with the beautiful pepita wallpaper and um so i was looking at the aston martin screen. So aston martin is much more minimal uh use of uh, apple carplay so that illustrates what you're talking about really it's gonna be up to the manufacturer to figure out how to implement those pieces in their vehicle um so <laughs> dr do in our chat room says you know your car really is just a fancy case for your iPhone. And I think that's that's probably the case. It's the most expensive speaker dock you'll ever buy. <laughs> yeah. Mark Gurman says, uh, Apple has an excess of AirTags. And uh, as a result, is going to uh, wait until next year to release AirTags 2 because they want to sh- sell off all the AirTag 1s they have in stock. Um, okay. Uh, if, if, if he says it, it must be true, right? 
<laughs> yeah, it's definitely not a product, but they'd have they'd have like the AirTag Pro and the AirTag Nothing. Yeah, I mean, it does. I don't think. What else could it do, right? Yeah. It could be cheaper to manufacture. I think that's pretty much that's what probably the, be going yeah, after. Yeah, the more you make. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Um, oh, did you see the iPhone that fell out of the uh, Alaska Airlines uh, uh, airplane? This is part of the kind of the scandal of the three eighty of uh, the seven eighty seven Max uh, bolt falling off. Apparently, when that when that bolt fell off, a phone was ejected. And it, uh, somebody found it on the side of the road, sixteen thousand feet later, still open to the baggage claim for Alaska Airlines. <laughs> According to uh, the the tweeter who found it, uh, here's the picture. The NTSB told him it was the second iPhone that they found, and they have since found the door bolt. By the way, so in a yeah. uh, in somebody's backyard. Uh, yeah, the high school science teacher, the 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 door the the door insert thing was in his tree in his backyard. He kind of couldn't believe it, but <laughs> yes, love it. it's a good story. I mean, nobody died. Thank Everybody's God. Okay. So, we can, so we can talk about the lighter stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's like, weird I, because the people who uh, I mean, it would have somebody might well have died if there was anybody sitting next to that door, but unaccountably those seats were empty. So yeah, yeah the window seat was empty. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, somebody made a joke, too, that I thought was a very funny joke that um, I think it was maybe the guy who found that phone who said, well, you know, it was an airplane mode. So that wor- it works. <laughs> the phone uh, had a ripped charging connector still plugged into it on the bottom of it. So it obviously was plugged in and not not for long. Well, it's, and it's interesting. It would it would, you know, like there's 16,000 feet is a big deal. But what is the terminal velocity? That's of the right. Phone? Like, you know, and so it reaches, you know, a couple hundred feet or 16,000 feet would be the same. And if it hits enough things on the way down, it would slow yeah. down fast enough to make that happen. So looks like it, it landed know. in bushes. Yeah. 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 So, Soft landing. Yeah. I don't know what's more. What's more remarkable, though, that it survived the landing or that apparently the owner did not have it on auto lock or passcode mode. That isn't that, <laughs> that wild. At some point, yeah, that's why you lock your phone in case it, it gets sucked out of the window of an airplane, and it's, somebody finds it. You know, I mean, you're, what your your mom told you to wear clean underwear in case you get in an accident, and you think, oh, that will never happen, and then mm-hmm. sure enough, and then a bolt falls off a door, and there you are. Exactly. Uh, Apple's payments are starting to go out in Battery Gate. In uh, 2020, Apple said, well, we'll pay half a billion dollars to settle the class action lawsuit. This was when Apple was accused of secretly throttling iPhone models as their batteries uh, got older and older. In my opinion, Apple was just trying to protect you, the user. Uh, But uh, people won their case and the payouts are going out and it's kind of surprising. Now, don't get excited because unless you applied for the payout, uh, like months ago, you aren't going to get a check, but it's ninety two dollars and seventeen cents per claim. Yeah, that's like free AirPods, man. Yeah, that's not bad. And I'm really in fact, I didn't sign up for that because I got a lot of phones. I could have. Well, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> iPhone six, six plus, six S, six S plus, or SE that ran ten point two point one or later. iPhone seven or seven plus with iOS eleven point two or later. Uh, unfortunately, you'd had to submit the complaint three complaint three uh, three plus years ago, October twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, uh, Apple apologized for its lack of transparency. They said we yeah. should have told you what we were doing. 
they they kept it as a result of that they kept the feature which as you say was just apple trying to trying to protect the user's experience saying well your battery if it senses that the battery is super super weak we're going to try to give you as much battery life as possible by not throttling the processor as, as much as it would ordinarily after as a result of this they did what they probably should have done which is to basically make that a system setting so if you want to basically have maximum performance at the cost of battery life Go nuts. It's your phone. Go ahead. And they have a, a nice page where they explain this iPhone battery and performance and how, you know, understanding it and blah, blah, blah. So that, you know, it is not a surprise. Okay. Performance management. And if you have a more recent iPhone, you can, you can read about it there. And you, you can also see, as you say, Andy, a place to, to turn off, uh, op, what, where, what is it called? Is it, uh, uh, optimized battery charging. Yeah, optimized battery charging. You might want to turn that off. It says, to reduce battery aging, iPhone learns from your daily charging routine so you can wait to finish charging past 80% until you need to use it. That's what you'd turn off? Is that it? I or think it's something else. Something I don't have else. it in front of me, though. Yeah, okay. Yeah, th- actually, this is nice because uh, my iPhone doesn't know when I need 100% charge, so <laughs> I like to. I like to tell yeah. it. Most of the time, it's just right. that just. There's a there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on in that in that space right now. Like a lot of a lot of devices, not just uh, phones, now have like as to prolong the overall life of the battery. Even when you buy a brand new device, it will only charge up to a certain percent, uh, short of the maximum. And sometimes it's like. I'm going to be covering CES all day. I, if I, I would much rather have an extra 45 minutes to an hour of, of battery life, no matter what it does to my experience four years from now. Uh, so it's it's all about like making sure that the person who uses this phone is aware of what's happening on the device at all times. And uh, Andy, you had a, a nice uh, footnote to the story. Uh, you may rem- if somebody texts you, you're entering. You're in the Beijing airport and you suddenly get a Winnie the Pooh texted to you or not texted to you, sent to you via airdrop. You might be worried. Understandably, China says we cracked airdrop so we can tell where the Winnie the Pooh came from. But you point out that's probably not what happened. Yeah, this this is uh, this came out like story came out yesterday um, where, oh, well, uh, there is a. Uh, on the official government web, government webpage from Beijing, like be, uh, government uh, government site, uh, there was a big thing about hey, here's how like we've uh, how air, we have basically cracked uh, this this sharing feature on the iPhone. And if you look, dig into it a little bit deeper, it clearly the messaging in the article was, hey, remember that we can, nothing you do, <laughs> nothing you do is private. We can basically be, take, uh, make good, make smart choices because just because you think you're anonymous doesn't mean that the government can't find, find out what happened. Um, and it, whereas sometimes it's being played out as, oh, they've cracked, uh, they've cracked uh, sharing. No, what they did was there was somebody who on a, on a subway who got, airdropped something that they did not ask for something that we're all kind of familiar with if you've got the the settings set incorrectly and they were able to track down the person who sent that piece of content strictly by virtue of the fact that they were able to they weren't they didn't crack airdrop they they were able to get a, a hash a secure hash and match it up with an existing database they had of hashes that were matched up with known ids and that's how they found the person who had airdropped that content the, the article doesn't say what content it was it could have been politically bad or just could have been you know nude selfies uh but yeah it's nothing nothing to worry about unless you again live in china in which case 
case <laughs> they have a database of hashes. Uh, here is <laughs> they can, the uh, they can match up to you from the Chinese government press release. A picture of the lab. By the way, it looks like they have those hex lights uh, in the lab. <laughs> but <laughs> completely non-functional. But uh, I wonder if they change colors and shape when somebody sends a Winnie the Pooh. It's just like CSI. Yeah. It's pretty funny. I bet they got purple lasers in there, too. <laughs> there is some purple lighting. This is definitely an interesting uh, lab. Not very big. It's hip. It's a hip lab. It's a hip, it's a hip lab. Uh, this is the, this is, you know, this is the sample. Obviously not the picture that was actually <laughs> sent, but that's the sample that was sent. All right. So. I mean, I don't know. Apple, in other words, I guess it's important to understand that they haven't cracked AirDrop to be able to identify the sender. Yeah. This is, and also, it's, again, interesting that they decided to, po in an official capacity, post that, hey, by the way, don't don't worry, citizen, we are protecting you by making watching. sure that even yeah. even when you think you're doing something anonymously, our eyes and our, our, our fingers can reach out into your device and 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 have a conversation with you about being a good citizen. And this was the day uh, many, many years ago, 17 years ago, that Scott Bourne and Alex Lindsay and I sat at uh, the Erba Buena Center watching Steve Jobs reveal we were hoping it was the iPhone, right, Alex? Remember that uh, <laughs> Scott was going to make an iPhone vest? Uh, <laughs> Scott had speculated, I think it was Scott had speculated that it was going to be called the iPhone. Nobody really knew at the time. And of course, uh, Steve said uh, something about a communicator, an internet communicator, a uh, phone. What did he say? What were the three things? It's a phone. It's an internet device, and it's a and it's an iPod, a video iPod, an iPod. We, yeah, we, we have three devices iPod. that we're showing off. Do you get Are you it? Getting it yet? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I play it every year this this time of year. I don't want to get taken down. Um, is it safe to play it? I don't even know. I don't know. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> I don't think it gets taken down dare, anymore. You dare, just get a strike, dare, don't dare, you? Dare, you don't, you don't get a strike. You I don't want a like strike. A That's not a good thing. You get a flag. No one cares about flags. I mean, unless you're trying to make. Anthony says, uh, "Don't do it." We've uh, we been told, "Don't do it." Uh, oh. yeah. let's let's not. All right. Poke the bear. Is it is it a flag or a strike? Because I don't, I bet you it's just a flag. It's not a strike. I'm sure. What if I don't yeah. turn the sound on? Just, just do it. Just if I, I think you're probably okay with the sound. Just don't do it full screen. As you can see here, Steve. Here As you can see, he's saying a phone, an internet device, a break internet communication device, a widescreen iPod, and a telephone. And then, are you getting it yet? And I remember the audience was getting more and more agitated. I remember Scott was getting really agitated, and then Steve finally says, "Are you getting it? It's all three in one," and the audience goes. There's the announcement. This was it's an iPhone, and Scott yeah. said, "I win the I win the bet." Yeah, <clears throat> and and it, and it wasn't a big surprise. There's been like the most rampant, yeah. rabid like rumors for the past year that they were working on a phone. I don't think any, I don't think anybody was expecting it to be exactly like that, given the status of even the really good smartphones that are out there right now. But this, well, this is the, why there's the so story much was the, in the room because they knew that something was going the on. The story was the engineers at Google who had working on the first Android phone were watching them and they went, ah, and back to the drawing board quickly. Yeah. 
Yes, so, we're not going to make. I guess well, we're not going to be stealing from BlackBerry. We're going to be stealing from somebody else. <laughs> yes. Well, and and I and I and I think that the, all the articles were like about the rumors were all like, well, Apple's going to learn its lesson. You know, like it, it thinks it can do phones, and you know, it can't do. You know, like going to walk this, in. This there. is a big, dangerous world out there. The cell phone world. Oh, remember uh, Steve Ballmer laughing at it. Can I play that for the iPhone? That was that's called hubris. <laughs> yes. Also, was, I mean, keep in mind the the reaction to the iPod and everybody scoffed at that too. You'd think people yeah. could have learned a lesson from that. They didn't. They, mm. they didn't. Well, uh, to to be to be fair, or excuse me, I'm sorry, to be a little bit lenient, realize that a lot fully subsidized a, with a plan. I said that is the most expensive phone in the world. And it doesn't appeal to business customers because it doesn't have a keyboard, which makes it not a very good email machine. Now, it may sell very well or not. I, you know, we have our strategy. We've got great <laughs> yeah, yes. mobile devices. Okay, we'll just stop the there. Day. Their strategy, it may obviously, sell very well or not. I don't know. Yeah, but you know what? Well, like, and, and Paul Thorat will always say this. Balmer was right. It was too expensive because the price was dropped very, very quickly, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that, that that short price drop was really what he was worried about. And then it was going to be and not the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not but, the but, keyboard. But, and the, but, the, but, but yeah, there, I mean, there was a lot of reason for people to be to be skeptical because Steve Ballmer was making some points that even like a not really great smartphone in 2006 could absolutely kick the iPhones. But in terms of basic features like... Uh, I can't. It had. It didn't have cut, copy, and paste. It was a slow modem. Uh, it didn't have the enterprise features sure. that, if you're buying them in bulks of a hundred for your company, and also more importantly, one of the most innovative and important things that Apple did was to browbeat AT and T into saying, "Okay, guess what? We are not going to make the hardware that you want us to make. You are going to sell the phone that we made. That we made, and you're also going to give us a data plan uh, that is not absolutely uh, choke. Uh, ch- that doesn't choke the device, and that we are actually going to be putting a real web browser on this thing. No, 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 no WAP apps. We are going to get." You're going to have, it's all this sort of stuff that only a company as desperate as AT&T in 2005, mm-hmm. 2006 would have possibly agreed to. So there, were, there was a lot of short sightedness, but there was reason for a certain amount of speculation. I'm not That's saying that skepticism wasn't merited. I'm saying after Apple did what they did with the iPod, where everybody laughed at it and then got called on the carpet later because it was a huge hit, that maybe a little restraint sure. might have been in order because like what if they did it again right and Balmer's tone there I mean like he's laughing he's and the, the Blackberry guys well, were laughing yeah, and the, that was the and, end and of I mean I know he is but like there are moments where where uh, you could ha- have a little restraint and uh, <laughs> he, th- there wasn't notice by the there. way <laughs> I have not laughed out loud at the Vision Pro I have shown yeah. great. No, you're keeping your gunpowder dry. I'm, you know, uh, you wait. You'll wait for your moment well, for the no, coup de grace. I have fun of the watch. You made fun of the watch. I wasn't. Like, well, I didn't make fun of it, but I said, "Look, who wants this?" It was a sidecar for the phone. Do you think I made fun of it? I actually mocked it. No, I said I said you didn't make fun of it. But oh, I, I did. A lot of people were making fun of the watch, no, and, and I, I own like, one. Well, I'm very happy. And the yeah. first the watch was not that but, useful. By the way, if you agree with Steve Ballmer that the iPhone 17 years later needs a keyboard, good news. Mr. Yeah, Mobile <laughs> has a keyboard for you. Somebody made a dumb keyboard. This that you is can the click sticking out of your dumb pocket. <laughs> keyboard. Also, also, the 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 demo and installation video comes on Laserdisc. <laughs> uh, did you guys did you guys see BlackBerry the 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 movie? Oh god, yeah. that was so good. And that was a so that good. I don't know how accurate it was. I think it was fairly accurate, except for how they dressed and stuff. But I but I think that the fact that they they really just missed the iPhone. They, nobody. They had well, no they, idea they, what the storm was, was so bad. Yeah. I did a, I did a, I had to do a thing where I was, I was doing something, and and I guess I, I we, 
I got um, sponsored to do something in Brazil where I was, I was already going to Brazil to do something else. And so I, they had to do the storm and it was, and I had to use the storm to do it and shoot video of me oh, using God, the storm to do fun. like whatever. Oh. And it was just like the, all the cuts in between were like, how do I get this thing to actually work? And I'm going to go back to my, you know, like I tried to use it the way that I was supposed to be using it. And I got, I used it, but I was like, I'm never using this again. Like as soon as I got home, I was like, oh, this is. Oh yeah. Horrible. Lisa had one. It was so buggy. Like you yeah. push on the button and nothing would work. And it was just exactly what the they show in the The whole screen was the click experience. button. The whole screen. Yeah. It was so bad. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, seven, it's kind of amazing. The iPhone is 17 years old today. At least the announcement of you, you remember we ran over like to Mac World Expo we, and they had one, yeah. not yeah. probably non-working yeah. in, in a, a glass display right. case in a little glass touch. case yeah. yep nope i mean yep. I, I get just just like jason's like eat, eating getting getting taken out to dinners like for six months because he got like 30 minutes with uh with a vision pro like i got 45 minutes with a mostly working iphone at a briefing yep, after too. the after the other thing and again i could just oh <laughs> oh let me oh man <laughs> he was angry six that day my friends <laughs> Six months of saying I touched it and I, yeah. I used it. And, and also the great stories that we can tell now about things like you tapped on the notes app and it was a and, screenshot right. of what the notes app was going to look like. <laughs> yep. And you're like, okay, not that one. And I, the other thing I really remember from it, other than being blown away by the high resolutionness of the screen, and we think of it now and it was retina and it was garbage, but yeah. like compared to a, another device like a Mac, the high resolution of it, the fact that it was right under your finger. And again, now they make these you know OLED displays and laminated displays where it's right up at your finger and it was way down, but but it felt so direct in a way that it didn't before. So I remember that and being kind of speechless. Rate, right. And the yeah, the whole thing was just so good. And then the other thing I remember is that it was warm, which <laughs> at the time I was like, oh, it's like a magical warm object. And now I think back to like, think about how it was burning through that battery the whole time. Uh, but uh, but still, it was it was a real moment. And, and Andy's right. You know, for six months, we were a handful of people outside Apple who could actually say that we used it. And, and uh, boy, that's nice when that happens. And it really did yep. create an era. I mean, it changed the world in ways. Absolutely. We'll- I would argue the technology industry's most important product category in its history is the smartphone, right? Like, and I don't think in our lifetimes we will ever see a category like smartphones, not just saying the iPhone, but like all the fact that so quickly everybody on the planet now has a supercomputer in their pocket connected to a global high speed network. Like that happened overnight. Right. And it happened overnight. And, you know, a lot of things we think about, you know, they might happen. Sometimes you see things where everybody's thinking about the same thing at the same time. And eventually it just popped like the car or the plane, you know, or radio. Those things were, were things that a lot of people were thinking about all at the same time. It was, all, you know, all around the world. This one, I mean, people are using phones, but because it already, because it had become so gradual, there was so much already existing weight of where phones were that without someone just sticking a spike into it, it was probably going to continue that way for quite some time before it, before you got away from the Blackberry and, and the Nokia's and, you know, that full screen thing was not something that was really a thing um, until, until Apple made it a thing. 
Yeah. I mean, even, even, even if we put the qualifier that smartphones existed before the iPhone, productivity devices as smartphones were existed before the iPhone, phones with app, app stores, uh, 3G, cut, copy and paste that had, that were, that were uh, work with Microsoft Exchange and was very, river. I mean, I still have, I still have very fond memories of the couple of phones that I used before, before the iPhone. However, we went from every phone having a bunch of interpretations of what the software should be like a bunch of uh, interpretations about what the hardware should look like. Yes. The Blackberry model was one model, but there were flip phones. There were still candy bar phones or still other interpretations, but then boom, right after this spike was put into the ground, every phone was a sheet of glass as small and compact as it could possibly be. And that wasn't because Apple screwed up the first iPod iPhone. It wasn't because the first iPhone did not, it was only 2G and did not have cut copy and paste. It's because people, it proves that, and this might be instructional for, for, uh, uh, for the vision pro people are willing to, uh, forego and overlook limitations if they get that kind of basic when when your spidey sense goes off in the back of your head that's what happened when i used the iphone for the first time that tingling sensation from my neck all the way up my, my scalp that said this is right i don't know i'm not going to review something that is clearly three months four months away from being introduced let alone being a version 1.0 but there's something that is fundamentally and manifestly right about what they're doing here and i'm on board so vision pro if it produces that same sort of effect from the first 30 minutes to 45 minutes People are willing to wait. I think a couple it's more years likely it more practical. that the Vision Pro is the Newton. And and by the way, I, I have somewhere I, I can't find it. But there's a video of me on KSFO back in whatever that was. When was it? 1995, 96, when the Newton came out, saying if you just could connect this to the internet, you know, and make it a little bit smaller, the Newton was so close to what the iPhone eventually became, and the lessons Apple learned from the Newton definitely communicated to the iphone the newton yeah. was the reason apple invested in arm and, and created an effect arm and the arm processor was for the newton True. that's of course what made the iphone possible and still today makes apple silicon possible so i think if you want to look at the history of the of of the iphone i don't think that the the vision pro is iphone one so much as newton like i think the Again, that's a now like, is like that, I said before. That's a that's a danger, particularly if you extend that metaphor to to, to Palm, saying that hey, that's the great eight hundred dollar device you have that's way too big and is not really very practical. What we're going to take all the good ideas from this, introduce, take away all the bad ideas, and basically make you obsolete. Yeah, I think that the the only difference is that Apple wasn't the largest company in the world, or roughly the largest yeah. company in the world when they when they did the, that's a good the point. They <laughs> when they did the, when they did, there's a there's a there's a level of brute force that that apple has that that doesn't exist for other companies you know in the like one of the things that i was trying to i was talking about the fact that like companies will see microsoft competing with them somewhere and apple did this in the 90s where apple wanted to be the microsoft against microsoft you know like i got lots of different products and we got all these things and they were trying to like out microsoft microsoft and i was like you should never do that because they're really big like you know <laughs> yeah. they have you know like like they're really like the what works for them is not what works for you anymore. Like you, you know, they can't do what you do, but you can't, you know, you got to find out what you do well and stop trying to go head to head with them because that's, they're way too big, especially like competing with office or 365. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> like, you know, and, and so, um, so the, in the sense, in that sense, Apple's playing a game that only they and, you know, maybe five other companies in the world can play, you know, and, and they're going to, and they're, and they have, 
spent 10 years playing it and they are going to spend 10 more years playing it. Yeah. So, you know, you know, so. remember that the Newton was the pet project of Darth Scully, uh, you know, yeah. Jobs, yeah. sworn enemy. And if, if it, if it had been an, a project that Steve himself had been backing, had been talked into, had been ex- really felt behind who knows within three, four, five years, it could have been the pocket sized thing with built in mobile broadband and we would now be using an evolution of the Newton message pad instead of an iPhone for here, better. For better for I for hope worse. that uh, they don't take this down, but here is Jason TV, Snell and Leo Laporte at Macworld 2007. That, right? but, but it's not there and they haven't talked about it yet. And, uh, and I don't know. Somewhere in here, I'm sure we talk about the iPhone. What they told us today. I don't know, but um, this is you, questions. by the way, this Even is the dining out portion, Jason, of having touched the iPhone. And, you know, until we dig into it, until really we all get our hands on them, we're not going to know. But I got to give them credit for taking the shot and saying what like they did with the iPod. Look, there are phones out there just like there were MP3 players out there. They're not any good. <laughs> and we're going to do something that's totally different and that we think is actually going to be much easier to use. Good for them. That is Apple's DNA right there. We haven't changed much over the years, have we, Jason? (laughs) Still the the uncynical, (laughs) fresh-faced, fresh-faced young punks. Jason Snell. That's actually MacBreak 40, giving you some idea of how long we've been doing this thing. Uh, There was a podcast on the floor about um, 10 feet away from the iPhone that um, John Gruber and Merlin Mann and I did. Uh, that you can, I mean, it, parts of it are around there. But one of the things we did is we all basically invented the app store while we were standing there. Wow. Like, this, this web thing isn't going to happen. They're going to have, like, maybe next year, they're going right. to have web a, apps are terrible, a store yeah. where, you, where, and third party, there's going to be a third party developer story and it's just not ready yet. And, and that, um, it's floating around, but like, we, we, we did nail it. I actually dug that out of an archive somewhere at one point because it had disappeared from the internet. And I was like, no, no, that was a really good one. Like, we got it. We got it exactly right. I year before it happened yeah so yeah, I mean, it, was obvious. it was obvious that, obvious that was just but, bs when he said it was a sweet solution and that right. all the developers we knew already were like we're gonna find a way to write for this platform and it right. took them you know a year and th- three months a year and five months in there, order to get it there yeah there was a there was a jailbreak app store before and a legitimate app store people, yeah. people just figured developers just figured out how to write apps that would that would target an iphone on their own that's I mean, you're absolutely yeah, right that's out. how much developers were like no 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 we want to write even if we have to do it Ill- illegally and without the approval of apple i'm going to put some effort into developing apps for the iphone they would not be denied oh you found it from huffer com. Yeah, it's like Instapaper for MP3s. There's a li- MP3 link there, but that that's what it was. I don't know where in that clip it is, but we did do it. So I'm, I'm oh, happy nice. to have that. Snell Gruber uh, Man iPhone launch. Okay, I'm here with uh, Jason Snell from uh, Macworld and John Gruber from Daring Firewall. Oh, yeah, that's and it. The, uh, the question that I'm uh, curious about today the podcast, is within a podcast. Uh, looking at applications <laughs> on the iPhone and how we think that'll work. We've seen Safari. We've seen some other stuff. What do you think is going to happen? My guess is that oh, Apple will eventually <laughs> let developers onto the platform, and the real boom. question is going to be how. I don't App boom. Store, brilliant! You get we, the prize we got there. for we got there. for I mean prognostication. I, 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 it wasn't a hard prediction, right? Like it was so clear, everybody desperately wanted to be on there and yeah. I, I don't even know why i mean i think steve jobs was just blunting everybody's excitement by saying oh it's a really sweet solution uh, but the truth was like the developers at apple were barely even at the point where they were obviously some of those apps hadn't even been built yet like the tools to build apps weren't there yet so the last thing you're going to do is let developers have 
tools that don't exist that you're building as you're building the app. So, of course, it was going to take a little bit of time, but it 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 boggled the mind that web apps was going to be the solution. And, of course, it it wasn't. It just took them a year. Mm. Uh, Patrick Delahanty wants to know if you know anything about tomorrow's lottery numbers, Jason, because he needs to make it rich. We're going to take I mean, a- 42, always 42. <laughs> We're going to take a little break and come back. Your picks of the week coming up next. This is the part of the show where I beg, I plead, I uh, I kindly ask your support for Twit. We, uh, we uh, and all of, the, you know, I was so sad we had Christina Warren on, uh, on Twit on Sunday and she told us about Rocket. Uh, basically, the end of Rocket, uh, Christina Warren, Brianna Wu, uh, Simone de Rochefort, that was the show on Relay FM, and they they couldn't get the ad support, and so they stopped doing it. We know we have stopped some shows, but we don't. We want to keep going because we think the job we're doing at Twit, explaining technology, helping you use it, helping you understand it in a way without fear or favor, uh, without any entanglements, in a way that is objective and honest and comes from people, journalists who really deeply know the subject, that's an important mission, and we want to keep doing it. Uh, ad support is down. We're not, I mean, obviously, we still want advertisers. In fact, if you have a company or know of somebody who might be a good advertiser, you have them email advertised at twit.tv. But we realized uh, that really we need to depend on you, our our, our listeners, our, our viewers. And, and we'd like to come to you directly and say, if you're not already supporting Club Twit, please consider joining. It's we keep it affordable because we want to make sure we'd love it if everybody would be a member. Uh, right now, it's only about two percent of the total audience. We'd like to we'd like to get that number higher. Go to twit.tv/clubtwit. Seven bucks a month gets you ad free versions of all the shows, plus a bunch of shows we produce just for the club, including Hands On Macintosh with Micah Sargent. Uh, you also get access to our wonderful Discord which is a great way to hang uh, even when shows aren't on the air. I spend a lot of time in the Discord uh, talking about things geeks are interested in. Seven bucks a month. But really, you're not doing it for the ad-free shows or the special content or the Discord even. You're doing it because you want to support what, we want to, what we're doing and you want us to keep going in 2024. And we do need that support. Twit.tv slash Club Twit. Thanks to all of the new members, by the way, who don't, won't be hearing that ad, but <laughs> thank you, thank you to our new Club Twit members. We've really the response has been phenomenal, and thank you. Uh, I'm very hopeful for the future. Thanks to uh, all of you joining Club Twit. Now, in just a moment, your picks of the week. Let's uh, kick things off with Andy Anako's pick of the week. Andy, oh, did I surprise you? I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't mean to jump you. Are you ready? He doesn't hear us. Hello, hmm? huh? Your time. Your turn, Andy. Sorry. Yes. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I was giving. I was giving my ear holes a rest. Oh, uh, as my, they as they certainly deserve. But we're almost done now. Andy, uh, my my pick is an app that I've been looking for for a long, long time. It's called Photo Sweeper X, and it's there to find uh, duplicate photos in your iPhone, in your Apple Photo Library, oh, on a disk, in a folder, whatever. And now. You would think this is a simple thing because, yes, if you can find, okay, there are a lot of utilities that will find two matching files, but photos are a different thing. Like, I'll give you this specific example and why I was looking for this app so so much. For the past, like, five, six, seven, eight, however many years, uh, every time I find a piece of art that I really, really like, I will right-click and save it and upload it to Google Photos. And it basically, in addition to being, like, my collection of, like, 
point paintings and illustrations I really like. It also feeds like all the screensavers, like on all the screens in my house. And what happens is that like, I'll, I'll, I'll find a, a, a copy of an image I like that I know I already have, but maybe this, ver- this one I've come across is way, way higher resolution than the one I found before. Or maybe I've forgotten that I already have it. And as a result, I have a lot of like duplicates in this collection. You basically, it doesn't, the, so what the great thing about PhotoSweeper is that, yes, you can tell it to only find absolutely identical files, but you can also say, Find images that are just similar to each other, and there's even a slider so you can define how similar these two things are. I like are. this series of shots feature where you could say, what's the yeah. maximum time gap? And Because there's a lot of right. burst photos that are really exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, it, it really lets you fine tune how you do it. My my use case is again. I've got three copies of the Mona Lisa. Some of them are slower resolution. Some of them are higher resolution. It will find the matches and also easily let you evaluate which one you want to keep and delete the ones you want to get rid of. But you can also do things like you have you have a burst. Like you said, you have a burst of photos. You can say sh- uh, treat photos that were taken within seconds of each other as being similar to each other. Or even if you have if if you have even have that turned off, if you just simply have like a, a bunch of photos of the same stage where your your, your kid was having their uh, their their summer concert uh, at school, like it will find okay these are the same these are similar pictures of the same stage. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that these are similar photos. Uh, and again, if you, if it's not if it's not doing the right job for you, you can simply adjust the sliders and say no, be more precise or be less precise. So for pretty much any task that involves comparing pictures and keeping some and getting rid of others. I don't know an app that works better than this. And it's also, it's also, it's super fast. I have, uh, I have three or 4,000 of these photos that I've downloaded. I backed up uh, Google photos so I can do this job myself. Uh, and went through every one of those photos in less than a minute, excuse me, less than a couple of minutes. Uh, and it just burns all the way through it. Uh, and also you can download it. It's, it's, 10 bucks, which is cheap for this sort of task, I think. But also, it, you can download a full working demo that will do everything. It, it, the only limitation that I've encountered with it is that the demo mode, which you have about a month to use, uh, it limits you to deleting only 10 images, which is more than fair. So you can absolutely see here's what it will do to your folder of 4,000 images, Andy. And that's enticing enough to just maybe make me click buy. Yes, please, please help me with this problem because I'm, uh, it's, it's kind of, I, I feel really embarrassed when, uh, Google Photos, uh, the, the, the Google TV, when it does this screenshot, the, the screensaver mode, uh, which I've pointed to this Google Photos library, if it's a, portraits uh, portrait orientation it'll put two side by side and the algorithm and google in the screensaver looks for photos that will complement each other and every time it shows me two copies of the same photo i feel as though i have failed as a curator <laughs> of an art collection and so and, and, and there's there's somewhere i've got like six or seven copies because like i said i've done i've been doing this for like eight or nine years let me t- let me tell you that if that's the sub pick of the week the greatest gift you can give to yourself is every time you see an image that makes you happy right click save it because it seems like nothing for the first couple of months but now Sometimes when I'm, you know, in a mood, I will just look at this collection of art. And just the other, just the other day, I happened to notice that, wow, I really seem to like this 
artist that I've never heard of, but it seems to have over the years I've saved like six examples that's a of this good person's idea. art. Yeah. And then last night I wound up on a rat hole that's basically learning about this artist and oh my God, he was super prolific and oh my God, I love this guy's art. And now I've got I helped load another hundred of his pictures that I collected. Uh, this man a, a is really thing. interesting because of the mirror in the back. It's actually it seems like a simple painting, but when you start to realize what's going on, it's actually yeah, fascinating. It's, it, it's kind of a, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that many is kind of interesting because the, it, optically it's impossible because you are in the position of that you are at you you're the are guy really looking at the barmaid and and it shows you your reflection in the mirror behind yeah, the bar you're this guy i mean many many like i've been reading about him because i wanted to go to the met exhibit about him but i didn't notice things about about his style until they were pointed out to me that Again, it may, they make no sense proportionally. Oftentimes, they make no sense in terms of depth of field. And if you knew about the culture at the time, it makes no sense that this person is wearing essentially loungewear while picnicking outside by a lake. <laughs> yeah, that's a hysterical and that's part, one. And that's part of why so many people were freaked out by, oh, my God, this guy is an idiot. He's an idiot. <laughs> uh, photo sweeper is the pick from Overmax, O-V-E-R-M-A-C-S dot com. And I just uh, saved a note to get that because uh, this is a great idea. And yeah, we exactly all have, as you wanted to. Yeah, right. we all have so many of these images. And now that really, I think in some ways my iPhone camera is my my diary because I just you take yeah. pictures of everything, and it's really kind of cool. Uh, so there's so many pictures, so many, so many. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. Uh, Alex Lindsay, pick of the week. So uh, we actually interviewed Vienna Tran, uh, Dr. Vienna Tran, um, um, you know, on 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 graymatter.show a while ago. And she's been a longtime member of Office Hours and and she's out of Australia and just a super smart person. And she put together this great little card set. Oh. Someone said, oh, Vienna, Vienna really released uh, the solar system cards that she's studying to basically be a medical doctor in space. So um, what? So yeah. So she, and she, and she's going to do it too. I mean, so she's, and, um, so super, uh, uh, super smart and, and, uh, very driven. And she put this together. So this is what the book, lo- this is what it looks like. Someone said, Oh, Vienna released this solar system thing. And I was like, what? And so this looks like the old, I don't remember the Chronicle books things where they had like little cards. So you pop it open and it's got these little cards that you can kind of look at it. And it's got little explanations on the, on the back of them here. And so this one's, I think about the moon, I think. And anyway, it's got lots of these little cards in it and love this. You know, they're, they're really fun. And, and you know, they've got great information these fun little, little bits and little cards. So it's, it's kind of a different format for it. And just a, a really, really fun format to learn. I feel like they should be in every classroom. They should mm-hmm. be, if you're just, if you're just, um, you know, just having them lay around because they've got like a little, little bit of information on the back that you read through. And it's just a fun format to learn um, things for, about the solar system and, and everything else. And I just thought it was, I love this. Uh, I love this format. I used to love uh, the Chronicle books. My training, when I used to be on, on um, uh, screensaver, uh, screensavers, you know, I used to always do a, I don't know, I don't even know if Leo knew what I did. <laughs> <laughs> How I funded a company with it, um, and so uh, so I would do the three minute thing for um, you know the three I, I would design three minutes of content because I knew it would take seven minutes to do it with Leo because he would ask questions and we talk back and forth. I learned to do that. At first, I did seven minutes and then I had to talk really fast, and so I learned <laughs> to talk slower and just do three and a half minutes. But I would make a twenty minute video um, that I put on the website that you had to give me an email to get to, and so I'd always say, "Oh, there's a twenty, there's a longer version on the website," and that. 
It came with a 20-minute version, and then it came with a PDF. And the PDF was exactly this format, nine by roughly 9 by 16. Uh, I didn't do it because I thought of vertical video would be a thing. I just did it because I liked Chronicle Books little cards. And um, and so, but it, it those are tutorials, and that's how... Um, you think I, I did, you think I didn't know that's what you were doing? <laughs> I knew that's fun to be with. I was very happy that that's what you were doing. It was great. I, I spent, but basically Monday through for, through Wednesday afternoon, all I worked on was the tutorial. Yeah. No, in fact, <laughs> I, we we great. would send people to the longer long form tutorial every single time. Yeah. No, I love that. A, you added great value added, and B, we yeah. weren't paying you, so <laughs> I'm glad you were able to get something out of it. I, no, did, I, I got a lot out of it. Yeah, <laughs> good. I'm so glad to hear we, that. We, we, you know, we would get a thousand. Like when you think about broadcast, people say, oh, broadcast is going away. I just remember on tech TV, I was getting a thousand emails a week. Wow. You know, would come in that wow. would sign up for that, you know, and it was, and I get emails from Pakistan and, you okay. know, like it was just, it was. Uh, I it was bet you there's a, people in our club right now who, who sent for those at, at some yeah, point. Probably. That's probably how we got all got together. Yeah. The Solar System, an illustrated guide to our home in space, a novelty book, says Amazon by Dr. Vienna Trana. So good, though. As you can see, I just bought it because that's really cool. Yeah. Jason Snell, pick of the week. Yes, sir. Uh, one of my favorite Mac utilities for a while now is something called Swift Bar. I've talked about it on the show before. It went to version 2.0. It is a free open source app. And what's great about it is it lets you put anything you want in your menu bar, it works with plugins, but the plugins can be anything that does output. So, for example, I have like per, like Perl scripts, Python scripts, shell scripts, PHP scripts, whatever you want. Um, I've got like my weather station data and it looks at my forecast on Apple weather and it puts it together in a drop down menu and you can control what's in the menu bar and what happens when you drop down and you can put SF symbols and you can put graphics and you can do all this stuff. It's really incredibly powerful version 2.0 lets you go further. It's got native shortcuts support. So you can also have it run a shortcut every so often and put the result of the shortcut in the menu bar. It's got something called ephemeral plugins, which means like if you're running a script or something, you can actually have or a shortcut even you can have it pop up a thing in the menu bar as a status report and then it goes away it's like it's not actually being fed constantly by a script it's temporary it's ephemeral it's just there to say oh i'm doing this task and it's task one and then you know it's part two and now it's done and then it goes away um just really clever stuff it's got some you know support for uh light mode and dark mode images and a bunch of other things that i'm i'm happy that the project because it's an open source project the Project leader finally kind of cleaned it up and got a bunch of features he's been working on out the door and has declared it a 2.0. It's completely free. And and what, what I love about it is if you can script in something that provides output, you can put it in your max menu bar. So you don't need to find an app that does X. You can do it if you have any skill in any of these areas. And it, it doesn't matter what language you use as long as there's output from it, especially now that it handles shortcuts as well. As long as there's output, you can say, run this every five minutes and put the output in the menu bar and it just does it. It's a great utility. I wouldn't um, live without it, use it all the time. And um, I love just the accessibility of it. The fact that, you know, if you can script in anything, you can write a menu bar app essentially for your Mac. It's pretty awesome. Really neat. You've mentioned it before, and uh, I keep making a point of 
Getting it never It's free, SwiftBar.app. So it. yeah. If there's ever been a bee in your bonnet about like something you wish you could just have in your menu bar all the time, like it'll do. There And there, it comes with, there are plugins that you can get for it for free that are, are things like the current song playing or whatever. But like I said, I use it for weather stuff. I use it for like how many people are listening to the live stream of my podcast. I have a little plugin that does that. When it's live, it pops up and shows me how many people are listening. All that, you know, as long as you can script it um, somewhere, you can make that thing live in your menu bar, which I love. I think that's a really great because the Mac menu bar is like a special place that that, uh, you know, it's one of the great things about being a Mac user is having that menu bar and it's always there for glanceable information. So it's like a it's like before there were widgets, there was the menu bar and it's still there and it's still great. And there's an article you can read about it uh, from a couple of years ago, but uh, still. Yeah, the screenshots. I mean, if you want to see what it looks like in your menu bar, I have some examples there. But yeah. basically, it's just stuff you can put literally anything you can think of you could put in. And in you're no longer bar. listening to Husker do, I'm sure. But uh, it's good <laughs> I, I was at one. I mean, I still do in, enjoy that, but I don't actually use that plug. And that was for a friend oh, who okay. wanted um, <laughs> one of the artists in the song for every track. And it, it seems that's a lot for me. That's a lot my to put in your menu. Bar. My friend Anthony wanted yeah. that plug in. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of took like an existing plug in and hacked it for That's kind of cool. There's a lot of things you can yeah, do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my weather one is pulling from multiple sources because I control it. So I can have it look at my weather station and Apple weather. Oh, for the forecast and I can look I can have it look at my purple air monitor for the you know for the air quality and if the air quality isn't good it puts up an, an icon and says the air quality has gotten bad and like I was able to build exactly what I wanted for myself instead of like taking a bunch of different stuff off of uh, the shelf with different apps and doing nice. it so and it's in homebrew so you can install it uh, directly through uh, brew Mr. Jason Snell's article is at his website six colors Dot com, but that's, that's not all that's there. It's the full colors. of wonderful things, uh, including every podcast Jason does. Uh, there's yeah, a long um, list. For All Mankind, season finale is coming up this week. Oh. And, uh, NASA Vending Machine is a podcast that Dan Morin and I do where, if you haven't noticed, if you watch the show, they seem to be obsessed with vending machines and they made us obsessed <laughs> with vending machines. There's a vending machine on Mars. There's a vending machine <laughs> at a hotel last week. There's a vending machine in NASA where lots of very important conversations went on in season two, which is why we got so obsessed with it anyway. They used to have water coolers. Show, I highly recommend it. Times have changed. Yeah. Now they've no, got vending, vending machines. It is an alternate the moment, history. The moment show. when they're buying things, they're buying things on Mars, and there's a vending machine. Vending machine. We're like, what? Who are these people? Do they own stock in vending machine companies? I don't know, but we got into it, and it's a great show. So, whenever man it. goes, vending machines, vending machines will follow. Will follow. Yeah, there's a big plot in in this current season about asteroid mining, and I just I'm so deep down in it now that I'm like, what is an asteroid but a giant vending machine? <laughs> full, of, full of uh, ice full and of metals, gold. full of iridium, full of iridium and and iron and gold and other things. Yeah, exactly. Just Jason, a space vending machine. Love you, dude. Keep going uh, with all the Thanks, good man. stuff. It's uh, six colors dot com. Are you be home next week, or will you go on to Cupertino? Yeah. Unless Cupertino calls, I'll be at home next week. Okay. Wink. <laughs> nudge, nudge. Thank you so much. Great to see you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, J Andy Anaka. When are you going to be on GBH next? Uh, next Thursday, twelve <laughs> twelve thirty five p.m. Go to uh, org to listen to it live or later. And Jason, can I? Can I uh, I'm, I'm 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 pitching you as a guest as on on that podcast. 
my immediate theory is that because vending machines are like a cash business, perhaps that's how like space organized crime does their money laundering (laughs) observations. Andy, well, if you haven't seen season four, that is exactly what goes on in season four. There is a black market on Mars. There you go. And there is script that is used because they're paying them like they're oil rig workers. And it's it's really quite interesting and clever. So you've already. But once the show is Is over, we're going to have to pivot. Is there gambling or meth? Because Uh, that that would be exactly moonshine. There's gambling and moonshine okay. on Mars. Of course there is. Uh, so anyway, the sp- we're, Space we're, Joe we're, Kennedy is probably yeah. operating a laundromat. There's a character preference. named Ilya who is very much that guy. Uh, yeah, and when the show is over, we're going to pivot to just being about vending machines. So Love it. get ready yeah. for that. Excellent. You know, I bet that's a deep uh, subject, actually. I bet there's probably a lot there. is. And, uh, and then related, right, like automats and yeah. things like that, too. I remember yeah. when I was we a kid. don't want to get too used, close to the truth. There used to be an apple vending machine next to the barbershop at Brown University, and I would always get a nice cold apple from the apple vending machine. I can't believe <laughs> that even existed. Even in the 60s, I can't believe that existed. Uh, Mr. Alex Lindsay, officehours.global is the place to find him uh, when he's not wearing his work hat. And you've got lots of good stuff going on there. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about creating short form video yesterday, uh, mid journey today, mid journey came out with it 6.0. 6.0 so we like, Let's look at all the stuff that we can create yeah, yeah. Um, with it. Um, tomorrow, we're talking about ambisonic capture, which is probably important if you are thinking about Vision Pro uh, production. So, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that um, compression, like how do we make the big videos, small videos, um, and what we do to do that is on Thursday and Friday, of course, backhaul, like how do we get video back from those places? So those are the kind of things. And by the way, on graymatter.show, uh, Jacques Pepin is on, on <gasps> Friday, which was he <laughs> so, great. I'm so, I'm so excited. <laughs> like I, I've just been watching. I've been like binging on Jacques Pepin. Have you recorded? Oh, you haven't uh, recorded it yet. No, it, it start. we're recorded oh, on Friday. So we'll be doing that live. I'm so and, jealous. Um, yeah. And then posting it next I week. I love but, his uh, little, his, we've talked about it last week. His little TikToks are so good. Yeah. So yeah. fun. Well, I didn't know. In fact, I made his I made his curly hot dog the other day. He mentions in one of them that he used to be the the uh, chef at Howard for national wide nationwide yeah. for Howard Johnson's. He was like their executive chef designing recipes, and he 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 showed how to make a curly little curly round. You take a hot dog, and make a curly hot dog, and put it on an English muffin. Man, that was good. I and he didn't make his own relish though, because that's the that's the pepin difference. <laughs> Graymatter.show, the place to go. A great, great podcast. Thank you, Alex, Andy, Jason. Thanks to all of you who uh, watch, especially to our Club Twit members who make this show possible. We do the show every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm sorry, 1900 UTC. And uh, you can actually watch us the minute we start the show. You will put it up on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash twit. All of our shows uh, that we do in public, we we do a live stream on YouTube. Of course, club members get to watch before and after as well in our Club Twit Discord. Uh, after the fact, on-demand versions of the show available at the website, twit.tv slash mbw. There's a YouTube channel dedicated to MacBreak Weekly. Great way to share clips with friends, that kind of thing. And the best way, I think, subscribe in your favorite podcast app. We kind of like Pocket Casts, but you pick one, subscribe. That way you'll get it automatically. The minute it is available. It's been so good spending some time with you today. Thank you for joining us. Now I'm sad to say I've got to tell you it's time to go back to work because break time is over. Bye-bye. Hey there, Scott Wilkinson here. In case you hadn't heard, Home Theater Geeks is back. Each week, 
I bring you the latest audio video news, tips and tricks to get the most out of your AV system, product reviews, and more. You can enjoy Home Theater Geeks only if you're a member of Club Twit, which costs seven bucks a month. Or you can subscribe to Home Theater Geeks by itself for only $2.99 a month. I hope you'll join me for a weekly dose of Home Theater Geekitude.